since uh, we talked a lot about human values in this podcast, I'm curious to know what your most ideal value is as a human. I think probably integrity. I often say that's like the highest value. I think it's super important. It's like a necessity emerging out of living living in a like a dynamic system of like individuals where we all have to sort of work together. Without integrity, everything really just falls apart. Like it's integrity and like responsibility or duty. I think those are like the highest, probably the highest values. Yo, what's up? This is Boho Hobo, and we welcome you all back to Bindalism, a philosophy to a self-sufficient lifestyle. The purpose of Bindalism is to unlock authentic perspective as we create a community of like-minded individuals who are living a self-sufficient lifestyle. A self-sufficient lifestyle is one in which a human being is activating their self-awareness to curate an authentic life that keeps them sustained mentally, emotionally, and physically in their adventure towards self-fulfillment. Boho Hobo's mission is to support a community that fosters this culture. We will be interviewing a diverse group of people, including artists, creatives, entrepreneurs, and independent thinkers to make this happen. Please join us in this journey as we explore the world and broaden our horizons with discoveries of new perspective. Thank you to everyone who is taking the time to stop by in your journey to give us a listen. We hope you enjoy, and as always, explore endlessly. Episode 47, let's go, boys! Wait, is it 47? <laughs> yeah, I checked. Oh, nice! Every time we, we always up. are like, what episode is this? We have no idea. Vindalism. What is vindalism? <laughs> you have to ask about at the beginning of everyone, you don't know. This is a podcast where we ask you about the podcast Bindalism, because <laughs> yeah, we have no idea. Yeah, I, well, I, yeah, I won't be very good. I, have, I literally haven't watched any of them. I have to, like, get God, involved. He comes on the show and he's like, I don't I give a fuck about you. I know, no, I do! I just haven't seen any. What's going on, everyone? Uh, we're back here for another episode of Bindalism. This is episode 47 with our boy. This tastes good. What is, what is this? Good. What is this? We're drinking some Bindle tea. Oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> Which wow. we just launched. We Marketing. just launched where Bindle tea. Where can, like, we, where can we get this from, Andy? This stuff's great. Where can we get it from? Our website, www.bohohobolifestyle.com. Go buy that shit. In the thrift stores near you. Uh, we can just honestly do like uh, an ad in our podcast moving forward. Kyle and I. So. But yeah, Bindle tea. Um, anyways, we're here with Cam Clark and... He lives at the Gear Factory here with Kyle and I, which Kyle just moved in, so we yep, can actually start ago. podcasting again. Um, so we're you're the first of many podcasts to come out of the Gear yeah. Factory, so stay tuned. Um, yeah. So yeah, this is a podcast about you. Wow. <laughs> Let the pe- people hear about you, cool, everything cool. about you, but we don't have to talk about you if you don't want to talk about. No, you. yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> talking about like whatever, yeah. I, I didn't know if there was going to be any kind of structure, but I'm... Uh, yeah, so typically uh, how we how we run it is um, this is, like, about your story. So, you know, mm, cool. talk about, like, what you do, what you're trying to do, and then we'll, you know, talk about your life story, whatever you want to talk about, and, they, and then it can just spin off from there. So yeah. there's really no structure. Um, but, yeah, so why don't, why don't you start by yeah. telling people who you are and kind of, like, what your what your skills are, like, yeah. what, you know, what... what, what you what you're here what, at what the do Gear people Factory know you for? As? Yeah, yeah. So uh, my name is Cam Clark. I'm a uh, 22 
Um, I I guess I'm here doing music, kind of. I want to get into, like, film scoring. Um, but I've always been interested in, like, pretty much every kind of art. Like, when I was young, I used to draw a lot. Um, uh, what else have I done? I, 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 You're a singer. Music, yeah. I'm, yeah, don't tell anybody, though. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Just they, kidding. They always, I know, yeah, they always ask me this thing. Um, but, yeah, music's, like, been a thing that I've been doing forever. Um, for the art show that we have coming up, I'm going to be doing art for that. Um, yeah, I guess that, that's sort of like what I want to get into. Um, so film, film scoring, what's that film, Yeah, so film scoring is like when you watch a movie or something, it's like the music's in the, back, in the background of it. Or like a video game, like there's soundtracks to those, that kind of stuff I want to get into. Mm. Um, also, writing stories. For a while I was uh, interested in writing novels uh i've been recently doing like screenplays stuff like that like i have a lot of old ideas that i just have in notes in my phone that i've nice. had over the years like and kind of going back to them and uh re-exploring those and like trying to put them into like a real form so when you say film scoring uh for like a movie or video game are you creating the sounds strictly from scratch or are you working with like uh music production uh, uh like you know, like 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 something like Ableton or yeah. you know Pro Tools, shit like that that people might identify with. Yeah, so I downloaded I downloaded Ableton. I bought Ableton um, actually last February. Uh, so it's been a little over a year that I've had it now. Uh, that's primarily like what I make music out of. Um, a lot of what's in there, like a lot of cinematic music, you think of like orchestral, and so you can get like string packs. They're like uh, recorded samples of an orchestra. And you can compose using that. <clears throat> uh, I've recently been getting into like more alternative scoring stuff, where it is stuff that's like from scratch, uh, like more electronic-y. I think that stuff is really really cool, and like to uh, incorporate them like together and mesh them sometimes is really really cool. Orchestral and electronic. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, it's it's really cool. A lot of uh, like I mean, Hans Zimmer is like the biggest name in like yeah. film scoring, basically. Um, a, of, a, a lot of, of this like stuff is like Inception. That. Yeah, Inception, Man. The Dark Knight. Um, yeah, that he's, like darker feel. Yeah, yeah. Where in in a lot of those movies or more recent stuff, just in general, there's more of the electronic and uh, orchestral stuff together. It's like kind of a really cool wave that's happening right now. But. What, what would you say uh, your like um, what's the word your inspiration is for the scoring that you are working on? Mm. Well, like, what's your sound? Oh yeah, that's that's a hard question because like I don't. I don't know if I really have, like, a sound. I, I, this is probably, like, a struggle that all artists have, like, trying to find, like, their sound or style kind of thing. Uh, Where it's, like, they may not identify what their sound is, but other people can identify it, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, yeah, it's probably, yeah, probably, that's probably true. But, yeah, like, I, I find myself in such a diverse, like, range of genres. Uh, like, everything from, like, singer-songwriter stuff to, like, orchestral to, like, weird electronic, like, jazz kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and it's cool because you get to find yourself through the music. It's yeah. like constantly in flux, and it's a constantly changing. So you don't really have like the, once you have a set style, it changes next week because like you get inspiration from new format of music or whatever yeah. new genres. Yeah, yeah, I think like it, it it makes sense like when you look at what I listen to because I listen across such a broad spectrum too that like the stuff that I make just sort of comes out of like all those corners. Uh, but I think it it probably all like comes together in a certain way, 
uh, like when you do a certain style, like it's all sort of influenced from everything, probably. Mm. It's all what what uh, what like what would you say some of the artists you listen to just so, just for like the people that kind of grasp Ooh. maybe some of the genres you're listening. Yeah, to? one of my f- new f- new ish favorite brand favorite bands uh, is the 1975. Love them. I I only found them like. It was like m- not even two years ago, I think. I like so I knew like like the song somebody else like that was like a big song in two thousand twelve or whatever. Um, I was like, oh, it's a cool song, you know. And then uh, I knew it was by them, but I never looked into them. And then I heard "Give Yourself a Try," which was one of their singles from uh, their latest album or their last album, like twenty eighteen. And I heard that, and it was like, oh, by the nineteen seventy five. And I'm like, that was kick ass too. So I looked into them, and I found like their music's awesome. I really like them a lot. But so that's that's like a uh, pop kind of influ- uh, influence. Um, in terms of like classical or stuff like that, uh, like film scoring, I like Hans Zimmer is like the stuff totally. Yeah. Uh, I didn't actually get into classical really until I was in probably in college. I, I might have had some affiliation with it like when I was younger, mm-hmm. but sort of fell out of it. And then I went to college and like music history like opened my eyes to like so many cool things that I would have no clue about if I didn't go to college. Um, I'm probably gonna botch this up, but um, have you ever heard of Kishi Bashi? It sounds familiar. It's I, I think it's like Asian inspired, but <clears throat> um, it's like a orchestral kind of style. But um, the pr- the producer or artist is trying to make it more like progressive into pop. Like mainstream, hmm. not mainstream. It's still alternative, but mm. it kind of gives that poppy feel to it. I, yeah, I don't think I've. I don't. It sounds familiar for some reason. I don't know if I've ever heard of it though, or heard yeah. it. We can play it. Oh shit! Our some, phones. Oh, <laughs> all hooked up. You can't play. It. Uh, I, I know you. Uh, you listen a lot. Uh, listen to uh, Jacob Collier a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. How could I forget about him? Which I mean. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's <laughs> he's like one of the greatest musical minds alive, I think, really. Like, it's... it's He's insane. He's really, really insane, yeah. And I, my, one of my favorite things about him is he's one of those people that it, it... Like, hearing his story and how he talks about his upbringing, like, it just exemplifies, like, how important it is to have just, like, an environment where, like, his parents, for instance, like, would just let him, like do music and just play and have fun like just having like that room to play is so so important right like, where it wasn't like he was being forced to do music yeah. he was doing it because he wanted to yeah and they were like supportive of it yeah right and like and so like with that kind of environment he just grew like he, he said like in a live stream like two weeks ago or something something about like he still feels like the same as when he was 10 years old making music that's awesome like that's so so awesome yeah. Like, because most people who do music or something creative like that, they get into, like, the <clears> avenue of, <throat> like, you have to make money, and, like, you're mm-hmm. thinking about it as, like, something that has to be profitable, and, like, you, like, probably lose the love of it. Um, <clears throat> I feel like that, and you probably are forcing it so hard that your music probably suffers because it's forced and not, yeah. like, uh, organic mm-hmm. feeling. Because yeah. you feel, like, this pressure of needing to, like, put something out to make yeah. get attention to make money so you may be like look, suffering the the side of like spending some more time to make it like really good yeah i've i've definitely fallen at times i'm still trying to climb out of it a little bit like i've fallen into the that mindset of <clears throat> like it's like i i sort of like fell out of love with it a little bit 
like because I maybe was trying to force it. Um, well, it's also hard if you're not like financially supported by it. Yeah. Because then you're like going off and doing a day job, <clears throat> so you yeah. can financially fulfill, you know, the ability to be creative. Yeah, I think it was, um, it was kind of my mind slipped too much into looking at it as something that had to make money rather than something that like was a privilege to do. Like when people talk mm-hmm. about it like that, I'm like, that's the dream. Like mm-hmm. when people are just so grateful that they can, that they can do something that they love to do. Like that's how I want it to be. Like that they just yeah. feel so fortunate that yeah. it's, it's not like a chore. It's like you're making music because right. you love it. Or you're doing art because you love it, or whatever it is. Like, not because, well, that's how I make money now, so I gotta mm-hmm. do it. Yeah, and I feel like that kind of differentiates, like, if you think of celebrity level musicians, the people who did it solely for the money, and then those who, like, did it more for that. Like, what you're just saying, you, there, mm-hmm. some of them are just a little bit more down to earth, mm-hmm. or, like, a lot more down to earth, just because they're like, I mean, yeah, I make money and I'm famous because of it, but. That, that stuff doesn't really matter to me. Yeah, like, when you see Jacob Collier, he's literally he's just, just like so an average free and, he's like, a, a guy. Yeah. He's kind of, like, doofy, too. He's just, yeah. like, I don't know, I'm just in my room, just fucking... <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite things about him is just seeing how free he is. Like, I really admire that. Yeah. Like that. He's like a little kid. He, he is, is, man. <laughs> he's, he's just, like, so energetic and free, and I, like, I really admire that, and I think it's just a testament to, like, the way he was brought up. Like, I and also... Mm-hmm. uh a thing that I heard Kanye say in an interview, um, he was talking about how <clears throat> a similar thing, like how your upbringing and your environment telling you you can't or can do things has a big effect. Uh, he was talking about how um, I think he said something to the effect of people's um, like people's big biggest inhibition inhibition is uh, their perception of themselves, um, and he said that. Um, if you're told you won't or you can't do anything, then you won't do anything. And he said that his, uh, he was told that he could do everything. Mm. And so now he's out there just doing everything. Like, that mindset. Yeah. And you can tell, like, by the way that he talks and, like, the way that he just does stuff. Like, I mean, he really believes that. He's like, I can do anything. Mm. And, I mean, maybe to a fault sometimes, some people would say. But, like, like some of that mindset is... I mean, it's, it's, it's like, the, it's, it's, it's the power. It's the power yeah. of so many of these people that are, yeah. like, that are like that. Not feeling like you're limited. Do you think childhood upbringing is what creates that kind of mindset? Or is it just genetic? Like, if someone were to kind of adopt that mindset, how would they go about doing it? And is it too late if they get to a certain point, if they didn't have that growing up? Yeah. I, I mean... <sighs> It's probably really hard to adopt. Like it's it's been something that I've I've kind of had to struggle with a little bit. Like, um, cause I I grew up and to to an extent I still am pretty pragmatic myself. But like my parents were definitely on the side of like you should you should get a job and so, sort of the traditional stuff that like works in today's society. Um, and my my mom was music music student she was into music uh, so she was happy like on one side she was really happy to see me doing music stuff but um on the other side of it like her and my dad were both like you gotta be like pragmatic about things like, right. you gotta make money um and it's kind of weird i think it's it's almost like an irrational kind of belief that like it'll just happen and i don't know if there was an experience that made that happen but um, or if it was just like, it's slowly faded into that, but that's just kind of the way that I felt like 
and I try not to force it too much. Like in, in a lot of like a lot of people will probably tell you like you have to really like grind, grind, grind in the beginning. And for a lot of people that does work. I know that for me that doesn't work. Like I'll get burned mm-hmm. out, and I also don't want to. I don't want to be doing music because I'm forcing myself to. Right. Like I really yeah. want to. Honestly, I want to get back because I think I've lost some of it. I want to get back that love for it, and be driven because of that. Yeah. So like a, a quote that uh, I <clears throat> I heard from uh, he's a he's kind of like a well known uh, real estate person, um, but he talks a lot about this idea. Um, is everyone's always talking about. I'm on the grind. I'm grinding out out here, grinding, blah blah blah. But it's like it's it's less about grinding and more about aligning with what you're doing and and yeah. aligning your values, aligning like your interests and everything into like it. It, it might not ever be perfect, but you can get a lot closer if you're more aligned and less just like trying to like like you were saying earlier before the podcast like. Uh, taking a square, a square like thing and trying to shove it through a circular hole. Like that's grinding in my opinion. You're just trying to force (laughs) something that's not meant to be until it happens. And sometimes people do make it happen, right? If you like, just by physics, if you like poke, if you just poked at a wall for like a thousand years, eventually you'll probably poke (laughs) through the wall. (laughs) But it's like, was it worth the thousand years of waiting to poke through the wall when you could have just aligned to like... Oh, I can just like walk through the door. Walk through the door and go on the other side. <laughs> right. You know, like seeing mm. things in a different way, but by being patient and that brings up a good thing. But the so to finish the quote before you answer is, uh, the river doesn't grind; it flows. Yeah. So, don't don't grind a line. Yeah, that yeah, that's a really great way to look at it. For yeah. sure. You were gonna say something. Yeah, I, I don't want to like throw you into existential crisis or anything, <laughs> but like <laughs> I've been back like many times, so like I'll take it. But like if we'll if the go. creativity is kind of like drowning out and going off of what Andy's saying, granted it's just a belief, <laughs> it's not the truth. But um, would this kind of concept maybe put you in a place of like maybe your creativity in music isn't the thing? Have you ever had those cre- existentialism? Where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe I should be doing something else. And, like, even though I'm sitting here, like, putting myself in this position to make music, and that's what I've been told or told myself to do this whole life, it's like, meanwhile, my interests are maybe, like, I don't know, working out, exercise, yeah, or, like, yeah, yeah. nutrition, like, or, like, making other... Making travel videos or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think... I think my, I don't think that I've fallen out of love with it. It's just like, there's a hurdle of like making things in general. Like you have to put effort into it. And there, I mean, just with like starting anything new, like when I started using Ableton, like I've never used a digital audio workstation really besides GarageBand, but it's very, very different. And so there's a learning curve of learning that, which was hard. And also I tend to be like pretty judgmental about my own work. So there's also that, um, like I, I have like a, I've always been kind of like a perfectionist probably, I guess you would say. Uh, so that's like a hard thing, just constantly like judging my work so much. Um, but then also it's the difficulty of working, I think is also a function of like the culture that we live in where you can get like instant gratification on stuff. Like it's just very, very distracting. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing I've really had to 
they had to struggle with and like try to overcome it. Like sometimes like I'll be good for a little bit and then like I'll just go down the rabbit hole of like distraction for like weeks or mm-hmm. months, whatever. It's that dopamine hit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean really it's like the distraction that like is just so pervasive in our society now, like with Instagram and all the Insta- instant Which is gratification weird. Yeah. I wonder like well, if I mean, say say technology was the same, but social media wasn't there. If like that would change how people go about these kind of like endeavors, if the if the if there was less of this like push for needing attention all the time, mm-hmm. and more just focus like inward on maybe people would be more self aware. It's, it's tough because it's they were like, less distracted. If you look at like social media as a marketplace, it's like you're putting your ideas out there, music, creative content. And there's, like, to a certain extent, you have to appeal to the masses to be able to get your stuff heard. Um, But at the same time, you want it to be authentic to yourself. So you're Mm. always stuck in this, like, dichotomy of, like, going back and forth, what should I be doing? And at the same time, it's like capitalism kind of supports the idea of, like, us grinding and putting in the work to um, pursue our dreams, like the American dream. But at the same time, it's like, other people that are pursuing their dreams is this thing that you're talking about with the distraction that's distracting us away. It's like the content is there that we could like go down the rabbit hole of consuming. And it's also like the system is providing us an opportunity to create. So it's like, mm. shit, we're always stuck between these like yeah. Yeah. two walls. It's like, I think the, the it's really just like the people who succeed are the ones who learn how to balance it the best. Mm-hmm. Or completely get or rid of Or they're just really fucking good at what they do and people just buy into it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I think there's both of those. Like, uh, I think if if your goal with whatever you're doing creatively uh, or otherwise, I guess, uh, if your goal is, like, to be the best, like, you really might want to consider your intentions because, like, actually being the best at anything or, like, up there is really hard. Yeah, and like to get there i i don't know that maybe for some people but like if you're like a sociopath like it's hard to like to use that as your motivation to get better hmm. like right i feel like the only thing that's going to get you that far where you're like top tier at anything is because you just really love doing it it's that's like it's like yeah. the 10,000 hour rule like yeah. like that's how you become a master if you're putting in 10,000 hours, like every hour is like agony and you're like, I hate this. I just want to be the best at something though. Like, I don't want to live that. Yeah. Right. And it's you're like, not putting out your best either if it's that yeah, grueling. Totally, that too. You have to like, you want to, you have to love it first and then also be willing to put in like just mad time. Yes. Yeah. Like all your time for the most part is dedicated to doing that one thing, no matter what, like what the cost is just yeah, like yeah. do it because you love it. And even there's probably not going to be every day is not going to be fucking amazing mm-hmm. doing it, but still deep down. You're like, I fucking love this shit. Yeah. That's where it's got to come mm-hmm. from. Like it has to come from labor of love. love People always say yeah. that about music. Like I th- I'm a singer songwriter or I'm this, like, I'm creating electronic music. They're like, I'm not doing this because it's going to guarantee me like financial success. It's yeah. more just a labor of love and the hope that maybe one day, people will give a fuck about what I'm doing. Mm. But, like, what does that mean? Because, like, we're told that basically our entire lives living in America, I think, is, like, pursue your passion. It's become a cliche at this point. Yeah, but people, so most people like, don't pursue their passion. I, I don't and think then that. it's, like, the question of, like, why? Because 
it's not like easily attainable and people are like, ah, I can just work a nine to five and make money. So that's practicality. So the practicality kind of mm. takes over for that, that sense of like, you should still go after your passion. Well, like, think about it this way. You and I work nine to five jobs right now, but we're still pursuing our passion. We're like mm-hmm. other people may not even like give the time of day to like a side hustle because they have the nine to five and they already spend eight hours plus a day on that. So they're like, ah, well, I already spend most of my day doing that. I don't want to do any more work. So you have to like really love it if you are going to put the time in and mm-hmm. still have that practicality side to the yeah. equation. And like the reason why I pose that question is like, um, I think it's really important to uh, analyze what love is for like you as an individual because it's not really necessarily like romanticism. No, it's more so like really honing in on understanding what your values are, your intrinsic value. Mm. Because like for us, we really spent like for the first year like considering okay, what are our values? What can we provide to value for Bohohobo? And we were constantly in that state of indecision or like figuring it out. And then it's like once we figured it out, it's like that's our motivation now to move forward into the world to keep creating and producing. Yeah. And I think it's really important to have like the self-awareness to identify that because that's the motivation there. Maybe it's not necessarily creativity. And you have to ask yourself like, okay, I, I really enjoy, I really value creativity, but really maybe there's another value there that can drive that motivation even more, like freedom. Like, if you do this, like you're saying with Jacob Collier, mm-hmm. like, his, you, you see him, and he's, like, complete freedom, and it's, like, shit, like, that's amazing, that brings joy, mm-hmm. and it's, like, maybe that's his value, and that's what, how he's able to continue that grind, so to speak, is because he's, he's identifying that, like, if I put in this work in creative product, uh, production, then I'm able to be free to be authentic to live yeah. my, the life how, how I want to create. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, like, for me, it comes down to, it's almost like, I feel like I have a duty. I feel like everyone really has a duty, like, to, to, like, live up to their potential, I guess. And I just feel like in, like, with being creative, I, I, I believe that I have, um... I have like the skills to to create value like in the music space and like in like the space of like writing stories and that kind of stuff in art um i think like to to the extent that we all have that i think we should do our best to fully realize that capacity like that's kind of what probably what underlies my drive to do any of it um although of course it's like it's super cool like when you make something and you show someone and they're like that's awesome mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I think underlying that it's it's more like the pursuit of meaning and like it feels meaningful to contribute in a way like that so utility that, yeah yeah like I mean and it makes sense like from an evolutionary standpoint like you want to be useful to like the people around you um, and that's just like hard baked into us right and that's I think kind of what I think under, underneath everything that's it's funny too because that's like a fundamental uh, element to being successful in like a business or anything is like if you're not providing some sort of value then you're not going to like succeed because Mm -hmm. the only reason people are going to buy into you is if you're providing some sort of value to them like they want to they want to receive something in return for like the attention that you're seeking right is that like supply and demand Mm -hmm. so like yeah so i totally get it like 
were and I mean fundamentally like going you know thousands of years back people weren't necessarily trying to like get famous on Instagram but you know it may be like but but it's more like a tribal thing like I need to provide for my tribe and this is my like task I need to go hunt and when you hunt and bring it back everyone's fucking hyped like yo he's got that fucking gazelle let's fucking go yeah like that kind of shit and then you feel like they probably got like a dopamine rush or whatever (laughs) Because yeah, everyone's so hyped on the fact that they killed that gazelle, and he was probably hyped when he killed the gazelle, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that brings up a good uh, thought process as far as, like, how our economy is today. Like, you're comparing tribalism of, like, killing the deer to bring back. Now it's, like, creative tribalism, where it's, like, we've evolved from the point of just needing to meet our basic resources for the economy or community, but now it's, like, how can we push the envelope and, like, find the self-actualized state of being creativity Mm -hmm. to like bring Mm -hmm. back to the people yeah um this this might be like a kind of weird unorthodox thing to bring up but have you ever read uh the unabomber's manifesto Mm -hmm. no No. but i've heard of it yeah it's really it's on uh, netflix there's a thing about the unabomber oh yeah there was like a series right i haven't seen that but he wrote, so a little background on the Unabomber, in case people don't know. Yeah, because I have no idea what it is. So the Unabomber was, he was active for something like more than a decade. He was, he was this guy, he, I think he went to Harvard, and he was, he went to Harvard at like 16. He was like a math prodigy. He was like okay. very, very, like highly, highly intelligent. Um, so he went to Harvard and got a degree, and then... He was a math professor somewhere, I forget where. Um, and then after a few years, he, he moved it, like, into a cabin in the woods. And I think like very few people even know where he was. He was like really isolated. Like, he was by himself, basically, in this small cabin, like maybe the size of this. Uh, maybe a little bigger, something like this, though. And then um, over the course of more than a decade, it was like 12 years or something, I want to say, um, there were these bombings like coming in the mail, like people would like receive mail and it was a bomb. <clears throat> and so obviously the FBI is looking into this because there's bombs in the mail. And it was this ongoing thing for a long time where they couldn't figure out who it was. And it was like spaced up like months in between and stuff like that. And like, they just couldn't figure so it out. So the pattern was like not there. Yeah. And like, they literally just could not figure out who this guy was and, or what his intentions were or anything like that. So, um, later on before, this was a little bit before he got caught, um, he sent, he wrote this manifesto. He presumably been working on this for a long time. He wrote this manifesto, um, about, it was basically calling for a revolution against the, uh, the technological industrial system. And, um, the guy in the cabin. Yeah. This okay. guy, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, um, and one of the things that he talked about is how pr- probably one of the biggest sticking points or things that stuck with me, I should say, is his concept of s- surrogate activities. So he, he, he sort of looks at society like now that we've achieved or it's, it's easy enough to get all of the things that we need to survive, we've sort of looked for like surrogate goals, things to do to fill up our time. Like mm-hmm. it's like it's really easy meaningful to get full enough. Yeah, like it's it's. Like, before it was easy to get food, it felt very meaningful to, like, go and get food. Because right. it's, like, 
your life depended on it, basically. Like, everything you were doing was sort of for your survival. And that was probably more meaningful than maybe a creative pursuit. Exactly. And that and that's what he argues. Um, and what he called for was um, a destruction of the um, technological industrial society. Damn. The, the whole system. And to go back, basically, to, so, like, wait, nomadic so living So he was, like, kind of sending bombs to specific people, then? I don't think it was specific people. I forget. It was some sort of, like, institution. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I forget Shit. what, though. Um, he was what the fuck. So he like was a terrorist then. Yeah, basically he was a he was a terrorist. Yeah, um, but I'll tell you what I read. Did it. anyone get hurt? Yeah, some people died. I like I, bombs went off. Yeah, I think fuck. I think only like three people died though. But he said that's still like serial killer now. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he know? like he killed. He did kill three people. He signed a lot more bombs. Some of them were. Um, like they didn't go off and there was questions about whether it was intentional they didn't go off or if they, he just didn't know how to make them because like he was just a math professor like he didn't build bombs for a living yeah. but he's a sociopath at the same time well here's the thing a lot of people would hear about it and they would think like this guy's just crazy but then they hear him <laughs> but seriously when you read it Shit. when you read it you're like this is all true and the reason why he sent bombs he justified talking about how if he had just written this manifesto and sent it to so basically what happened was he sent the manifesto out to um all the major news publications like the washington post new york times whatever and he said something like uh uh post like post this unedited or i'm gonna like keep bombing people and so they're like okay like i don't know if we do it or not and like they talk with the fbi and they're like yeah we should do it, like, to avoid people getting blown up. So they put it out unedited in the Washington Post and whatever. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people read it. But his his argument for killing people was that if he had just sent it to Washington Post or whoever, first of all, they probably wouldn't accept have accepted it to get in. And even if it had, no one would probably read it if they didn't know that it was something spectacular. But, like, because he's the Unabomber, they're like oh, what is this guy's intentions? Like, let me actually read this. I'm interested now. <clears throat> so maybe it was like a um, publicity stunt. Yeah, essentially. To get his manifesto heard. But did he actually mean to kill people in the process? Yeah, I mean... I mean, he was sending bombs. He was sending bombs. He was sending <laughs> legitimate bombs, so I would assume it's pre, like... Yeah. Uh, meditated. Yeah, premeditated. I imagine he was planning to kill people. But his, his argument in justifying it was that the suffering of the people dead because of the bombs, was far less than the suffering that would occur if the system wasn't destroyed. Oh, so he's, like, making, like, proving a point. Yeah. And he's, like, a... In a way. He's, which is like, fucked. sacrificing. He's playing God by doing that to prove his point. Well, he what he was saying is that if, if you were to somehow quantify human suffering, the suffering of the continuation of the... Con- of the the current technological industrial society would be far it would far outweigh the people and lives that were affected yeah do you support the technological innovation that we have today after reading that um i'll tell you it definitely changed my view and made me think in a very different way um Mainly, mainly, I was amazed at how much I could agree with him. I was like, "There's You're like, like really? damn, I'm siding with a terrorist." Right yeah, now. I'm like, <laughs> and really, like, I, like I would encourage people who are curious in ideas like this to read it, and not, obviously, don't send bombs to people. And he wasn't calling for that, really, but, um, but, but I mean, I, it's, I it's it's it makes sense why he did it, kind of. Yeah, but it's wouldn't. it's it's really like eye opening to how much 
he was like in a way how much you can misunderstand somebody like really because a lot of people would write him off as crazy like he's right. just a guy who sent bombs to people who was talking about tearing mm-hmm. down society but like you read it and you're like whoa like well he's a ma- mathematician he's so he's like super hard in rationalism yeah and he probably used that in his manifesto as an argument and that's why, like why it's so convincing it's very convincing but scary, at the end like, of the day is it moral scary, convincing but what what was he proposing Maybe, yeah. to do about it though? <laughs> so what like he w- total anarchy or just stop the technological advancements? Yeah. So what, what he was calling for is, and I might not get all of it exactly right, but it was something like to basically stop the technological advancements that we're making and also destroy like pretty much all the technology that we've made and like get rid Go of back like, to like primitive life. <laughs> yeah, basically. Damn. Okay. Basically, basically to live primitively. Um, and his argument was that that kind of living is much more fulfilling than like the surrogate activities and stuff that we do. Surrogate is then like uh, uh, like icing on the cake. Like it's just well, like frivolous. Well, so, he, like he was saying, we we already have our need. Most people have their needs met. So surrogate meaning like I'm gonna spend my day being an SEO specialist or I'm gonna work in a hospital as a nurse kind of thing. Whereas, like, primitively, you wouldn't need that because... You'd just be... You'd just be, to like, out in the wild surviving. Mm. Okay. Yeah. But could you mm. really do that? Because that would, like, literally mean that you would have to have all of society collapse into primitive life. Yeah. That's essentially what it's he's trying dilemma. to do. That's a lot for one person to try to make happen. That's, like... Well, it wasn't going to be just him. He was calling for, like, the organization of, of a revolution. And also, the interesting thing... Is that de-revolution? Yeah, to go backwards, I guess you could call it that. Um, but the, one of the interesting things about his manifesto is that it's written with like plural, um, like, like he says we, like as in there's a group. It was, re- I mean, really just him. Although we don't necessarily know if it was only him. I mean, I'm but sure he's the only there's a cult following behind him. Yes. Yeah. Like, after his manifesto came out. Yeah. But he was implying throughout the whole thing that, like, he would say He we, already had followers. Which is smart on his part. Yeah, because, like... It makes it sound like it has some wants, legs. Exactly, exactly. So what he was calling for, um... He said stuff like, um... That we need a revolution. It may or may not, um... Need the use of violence. Like, if it can be cultural, great. Um... If it involves violence, like, so be it. But uh, his argument was sort of like the violence that would occur to get us back to like a, like would primitive still... living would it would be less than um, Where like the suffering of us continuing. Right. Yeah. yeah. It okay. So to go back on the question I posed, like you as a creative, if it weren't for the technological advancement that we have in our economy, you wouldn't even be considering the fact that you would want to pursue this life as a creative. We wouldn't even have the economical stability to be able to even I wouldn't even consider have the free time, really. Yeah, yeah I probably time. wouldn't even have all the free time. <laughs> yeah. some shit. And it's like, it's, it, it's like preventing us from reaching our fullest capacity of human potential if we're going back to these times of just, like, hunting and gathering. Yeah. Like, we don't even realize how much potential we do have as humans because we haven't reached that point. Yeah. But, like, I, I don't know. It's just, like, crazy to consider the idea that, like, we could reach a capacity that, like, maybe a thousand years in the future 
we'll look at them and be like, damn, those are superheroes. Mm. And we're just here, just chilling. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting dilemma because I think us as humans are just geared towards making progress. Like, I mean, by nature, we're exploratory. Like, that's why we'd cover the entire planet. Like, there's... Like, that's why people live on islands in the middle of the ocean. Like, people would leave the yeah. mainland and just never come back. Like, a lot of them probably died, but they went... Like, some people went anyway and found an island somewhere. Like, we're just exploratory by nature. That's why, mm-hmm. really, why we cover the whole planet. And once we, I guess, cover the whole planet, like, geographically, we're like, what else can we explore? Yeah. It's, it's, it's always... Right. I think that's really, like, baked into us. So, like, on one hand, there's our our drive for progress and for ex- for exploration. Uh, on the other hand, like we need meaning in our lives. And I think more and more we're trading off too much progress. We're trading off too much meaning in the name of making more progress. So like now most people's jobs are pretty meaningless. Like you're just a cog in the machine, but we're making great progress. I think it's because like the economy with where it's at is like, the jobs that are already out there, they are literally meaningless. That's the problem. And we mm. need more opportunity for creating more meaning in our life. And we need yeah. to have the pioneers to explore new territories into like new possible jobs or mm. like opportunities for humans to delve their skills into. That's mm. more like right. self-fulfilling. Yeah. I mean, as opposed if, to uh, fulfilling for the machine. If you think about yeah. it, like what people were doing for work say in the 1950s and then you look at the job market now and like what majority of people are working on like stark difference right tons of manufacturing and stuff back in the day and now manufacturing at least in our country is like desolate or if not like mostly gone gone. and then it's more shifted towards like way more focus in the medical field or way more focus in like the marketing field mm-hmm. um whereas more like, white collar stuff right like no one's no one's like fucking wearing boots and like getting their mm-hmm. hands dirty anymore like yeah. people are but like very few I and would also say less that people are even even just even just the fact that people are working with their hands is like intrinsically more meaningful like to your body because you're grounded you know well it's it's, tangibly yeah right it's it's so it's so familiar for us to be in contact like with the earth like in a physical way um it's just so much more meaningful even just if you're just shoveling dirt is like more meaningful than like desk stuff really like because you're because you're just in contact with the earth actually like how we have been living for like you know, millions of years, <laughs> like before we were even like human beings, like we were grounded, like grounded with the earth. And I think we've lost yeah. so much of that. Like, that's why, like when it, when you go outside on a hike, you're like, like you're in like a totally different state. And it's not just cause you're not working. Like you could be not working and sitting at your computer. Right. And it's definitely not like hiking or mm-hmm. like, or like building a, a tree fort or something right like when i for example i could like wake up on a saturday and have nothing like planned and spend the first like hour or two in the morning like on my phone or watching tv and just kind of doing nothing other than just consuming content and that kind of that thought kind of starts to come in my head of like damn i can't believe i'm just sitting here doing this like mm-hmm. you start to get a little depressed about it yeah. whereas like on the flip side i could wake up and 
go drive an hour to the Adirondacks and go hike a mountain. And midway through like that hike, I'm like, fucking, this is so great. It's beautiful yeah. out, like the fresh air, but, and I don't have any feeling of depression or God, I'm just a piece of shit watching my TV right <laughs> yeah. now. It's that self, <laughs> that self-fulfillment. Um, and I think the economy with where it's at today is like more funny. It's, Giving us the oppor- opportunities to now delve mo- more into the space of like personal development, mm-hmm. especially with like social media being available to us, and it's like, yes, that's a good thing, but also at the same time, it could be a bad thing because now the it's like okay when I have all these thoughts running through my head and it's hard to get it out. But like if we're starting like from tribal times, like nomads hunting gathering, mm-hmm. it's like that level of that bar of being able to meet this feeling of meaningfulness is a lot lower because all you have to do is go out with the troops, with the with the hunters, kill something and bring it mm-hmm. back for the, the, the community. But now it's like this it's like as we're evolving mm-hmm. in our society, that level of that bar of meeting this meaningfulness for yourself is getting harder and harder because it's like okay yeah i could go and go hunting but then meanwhile kanye west is like fucking dropping albums like crazy and it's like okay i'm literally trying the hardest i could fucking i could possibly try to like make a song and i can't do it and it's like fuck i'm valueless like i'm I'm worthless i'm a piece of shit and what i think what i would say about that (laughs) is it's at that bar that level of like but i mean like the the thing too is uh like that's probably why there's such a high rate of like suicide and depression in our modern day society yeah because people just feel worthless and and i and i what i was going to say is i don't think it's necessarily the bar being raised i think it's the activities being less and less potent able to bring us to that threshold of feeling meaning. Right. Because the level of value so high in the marketplace. Well, I, I, I don't think... I, I see what you're saying. I think yeah, there's something to, like, when you see your competition, like, so far exceeding you, there's that, like, factor of comparison. Yeah. But, but just, like, talking about meaning, I don't know if our threshold for feeling like you're having a meaningful life has went up. I just think a lot of the stuff that we do, like, is just less like being good at golf, mm. not that meaningful, really. Like, it's meaningful, like, in the construct of our society, because, like, someone who's good at golf is like, wow, it's really impressive you put time into something. But it's not, it's, it's not, it's not intrinsically... Uh, it brings no value to right. anyone. It's not intrinsically <clears throat> well, valuable, like... Unless you're, pro- unless you're, like, Tiger Woods, and you're bringing, yeah. like, entertainment value Damn. to people. Yeah, but, but, it's, but it's, like, it's not intrinsically valuable in the way that getting food is. Right, no. Like, that's valuable because if you don't... You there's die. an objective value to <laughs> yeah. getting food, where there's, like, there's the, very subjective value to, like, someone being good at yeah. sports. That's, like, about as, je- mm. as objective as it can be. Yeah. Like, you get food okay. or So you maybe, die. maybe it's... Like, it's that's objectively there's, valuable. There's... The meaning that we're trying to get after is way more subjective and less objective now. Like, it is subjective. Value, I the think, The things in, in that itself would make you subjective. feel like you're yeah. living a meaningful life in the past used to be way more objective. Like, I need to provide for my family because times are tough. And so you going to that 9 to 5 and getting that money is, like, objectively to put food on the table. Whereas, yeah. like, now... Well, I'm not speaking for everyone, but say, like, the economy before COVID was, like, pretty good. People were more like searching for subjective values in life because there is not 
there's no objective value needed at the moment. But then COVID hits but and now, it's like shit. So we're like, like shifting that. Yeah. yeah. And there's that objective value now where it's like if you don't keep yourself healthy, then you're going to die kind of thing. Yeah. Like what do you do during this time of isolation? One of the things that I really hope comes out of this is a cultural conversation about what we actually find valuable because really we've had like, we've had like interrupted pro uninterrupted progress since like the industrial revolution. Um, just like right. making the machine yeah. work more and more and, or making us work more and more for the machine and mm -hmm. it's working less and less for us. Like it's just that trend has just been narrowing right. to and that like, like for, and that creates that meaninglessness Yeah, because we're robots. Yeah, that, and right. then like the income like inequality is happening too. So like we're the masses are become more more and more detached from everything because we're just being like suppressed down as cogs of the the system to help yeah. the few and not like actually help society. Like, it's right. almost like we need we need a marketplace that gives us more meaning. In, in the sense of, like, what if we had this, like, social platform where it's, like, I post on there saying, oh, I need help. Like, someone help me out because I need to build a loft or mm -hmm. some shit. And it's, like, there's a bunch of people on there that's, like, oh, I have this skill as a carpenter. And, like, yeah come over and I'll, I'll, I'll come and help build a loft for you. And yeah. it's, like, that per in that, like, small instance of time of building, it's, like, I'm sure that was very meaningful for both parties. Yeah. But it's like it loses that sense of value now when it's like we got Amazon that's just like, oh, I want this. And it comes in like two days. And meanwhile, right. you don't see the back end of Amazon where it's like all these people like working like robots to be able to get that product to you. Yeah, I think. Th and so that example of we need help building a loft and people kind of come up and help. Uh, that reminds me of in uh, Andrew Yang's book. Have you read that or? Anyway, he... I, I'm familiar with Andrew Yang. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. But in, so in his book, he talked about something like that. There's, I guess, some trials of systems like this where it's sort of like... Time a, banking? Yeah. It was like a social credit system, something like that, where like um, he told sort of like a like fictional story of like a woman who needs help like getting her boiler out or something like that. And this guy sees the, like the, sees like gets a notification on his phone or whatever that whoever his neighbor needs help with the boiler and so like he goes over and helps her um and he frequently does that kind of stuff like that and mm -hmm. honestly when I, I i'm not doing it justice but when i read that part i actually had to pause and like i like was tearing up like i was like that kind of society is just like if we could get there where it's less individual like less it, about yourself and, and we're like we're like a connected thing it's like that's mm -hmm. that's as close as we can get while still having this technological society, that's the closest we can get to like, the, the primitive communities that we used to have. Yeah, because that, that tribalism, right? Like, everyone talked about we're tribes, but, like, because technology is kind of going to become, like, a common enemy for humanity at some point, like, it's kind of inevitable just because of the exponential growth curve and in-progress curve of all things mm -hmm. that at some point it will come back to bite us in the ass. It already is. To, lot. like... To start thinking more about, like, we're humans. We should all, like, be mm. humans, like, banded together kind of thing. Yeah. I have an idea. What if we create a system that's just, like, a, an app that's, like, literally just for volunteerism? Because, like, think about it. When we get to a certain point with our technology, we're going to be able to meet all of our basic needs to a certain extent and just have robots running that shit. And, like, yeah, automated, this idea. This like, automated manufacturing, automated, like, food 
production, automated, like, we have Tesla that's, like, going to be driving people around in, like, automated vehicles. Like, mm-hmm. we can let, like, it, it might, it, right now we're in, like, the brink, of, the brink point, was it, turning point, mm-hmm. where it seems like tipping we're point. tipping point where we feel like this is all meaningless, and yeah, maybe it is, but what if we get past that and we're, like, yeah. technology is going to allow us to just be human, and we don't have to yeah. worry about money anymore. Maybe we can get right. universal basic income, where it's, like, now we can just live off of that, meet our basic needs, go form groups, like community groups, to do stuff we like doing, not worry about the money anymore. We can mm-hmm. focus on creativity and just like volunteer and help one another. Yeah. That that might be the, the post-scarcity economy. Yeah. Where it's just abundance. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's really like the dream that I see. Like that would be, I mean, I mean that really is like almost... But fantastically that that like, pe- like almost too good to be true wouldn't that like, mean that some people would still have to be like maintenancing and watching them and well, robots at, like, at, a, at a certain point you're like, just saying that less people would have though the, there would be less need for like well the ones getting the money of the people needing to work a nine to five for example the ones getting the money like amazon they're going to be having the wire the employer employees that would be managing that system and be getting a lot of money because it's Amazon. And as like they get more and more automated, there's going to be less and less workers, employees. employees. So it's going to be like, yeah, okay, they get millions of dollars, but I don't give a fuck because I'm getting my basic needs met and I'm having a good life and just chilling and hanging out with friends and family. That's only if, if the idea of materialism also dies. Yeah, what I I think it will. Because like if it doesn't, people are still going to be like, fuck, there's still like these fucking crazy, like Jeff Bezos is like pushing the limit on like how much a person could realistically make. Like he, like I read something. Is he the richest person in the world? Yes. I read something that he could be the first trillionaire ever. Probably. And it's like, fuck, that should not be allowed. Yeah. Like, fuck. I I think we're really. And this would just push even farther. Yeah. I think, (laughs) I think we're getting to a point already where we will probably have to cap people's ability to make more yeah like we'll probably have to cap people's uh, like accrued assets like you can't have more than a certain amount of money and as un-american and un whatever as as is, is. yeah like i think it's inevitable like we'll kind of have to do that and like it's not all the way there yet but like, like you with said taxes um maybe yeah maybe it's like taxes or maybe it's just like like a physical limit. Like once yeah. you make more than this, you just give all of it. Yeah, to the that government. that like money, progressive that, tax. The money that you make Something over like that, that threshold probably. all just goes back toward to like the masses. Yeah. Well, that's essentially what Andrew Yang was proposing with the, his universal basic income is having a value added tax on the stuff that's going to like Amazon, for instance. They're um they're creating that value, so you add a tax to it. And then that money is getting sent to the people, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah, so we we'll have to get there. It's I agree with that, but what we're saying is that on top of that, also limiting how much an individual person can have in in terms of like actual like assets and like net worth. Yeah, I feel like mm-hmm. that that's sort of inevitable. It'll have to happen. Otherwise, I mean, you'll just have people who run the world basically, like like three people who run the world. But what if that's okay? Oh, well, first be. first off, we have to like make sure they're moral. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah but if like, they're already at that point, like, how many times has someone come into power that's not moral and we can't do anything about it and they just fuck shit up, you know? Yeah, I mean... It's like, how do we know that Jeff though, Bezos can't just fuck shit up, you know? Like, he could. He could be capable of it. He's got a ton yeah. of money and influence at this point. 
Well, that's like one of the positives of capitalism is that it's a market where well, we try to have it as free of a market as possible. But like, there's checks and balances because it's like the the people there's no demand for that, so it's like they choose to make something else that's more valuable. And there's always like the the checks and balances. Whereas like with um, socialism, it's like the people at the higher up have all the power and they have the say to like produce and make distribute whatever it is that they want and that's why right. it collapses because it's not a free there's market. no yeah mm. so, so it's like leave it up to the people to decide like what's valuable and what's not they're just like this is the value we all share the value and you better like it yeah and or if you don't like it kill you. Fuck you yeah <laughs> i think that yeah that really brings up like it sort of points hard at the idea that like we really need to have a cultural revolution about like what we value as a culture yeah uh, and as individuals, like if we don't do that, we're just gonna continue on Perpetuate the trend into just that. Yeah, that we're on now. depths of whatever the mm. fuck this is going. Like even even if even if we get to a point where let's say scarcity is effectively zero, like all your needs can be met easily. Like like you just snap your fingers or whatever, and you have a steak dinner, mm. or like like your housing is all met, everything like that. If we still don't know what's important in life, like people are just going to be offing themselves. Yeah. Like there's no point anymore. We need to have almost like a, a blueprint or like a path that directs us in a direction that provides a sense of fulfillment. Yeah. Like people meaning. need to be doing things that are meaningful. Like if all your needs are met, I mean, yeah, like you, you can play golf or whatever it is. And like maybe that is meaningful, but we need to think about that before we get there. Because, like, if we don't, we're, like, we're just going to be on the ride of where the system wants to take us. Yeah. yeah. And if, if mm. we're really not thinking about, like, like we have to direct it. <laughs> like, we can't just let it keep going because it's already, it's been doing that for a while. And, like, it's not been good for us. It's kind of crazy yeah. that we're having this conversation because, like, before we had this, I texted Andy and I was, like, I had this, like, profound philosophical, like, thought today. And it's, like, very aligned with this conversation. And essentially the thought was that, the future of economy is going to be aligned with spirituality. Like us as an economy, we are evolving towards this like existence that is going to be able to be like maybe supported by the values of spirituality. And Which, maybe that's our guideline, our, our North Star. What would you put into, I think like spirituality is like a sort of an amorphous term. Like what do you, like can you hone yeah, on it? Like, yeah, put give an example. So like we're here at the economy and we're talking about we need a guiding force and it's like spirituality is that like big unknown thing that like kind of like guides all of us as humanity to like figure out okay what are our morals so like it's not found out yet spirituality but i think like as we progress more and more the the guidelines for spirituality start to get more accurate because it's like shit now we have to actually think about it yeah I think that's where we've been. Going. We have to like, think like, about the true meaning of life. Yeah. Well, this this brings up uh, some some of the issues of just technology and like the power that it gives us. Like for an example, like uh, abortion, that wasn't something that we had to think about in a moral way, like for ever, really, until recently. But now that we have the power to do that, we have to mm -hmm. consider like, okay, what is life? And like, why is it valuable? Like, when is something alive? And like, like, is it is like life 
valuable like at this stage or is it right. valuable at this is it stage? like, like is it when it's at the yeah. when it's at the point of having total consciousness yeah. or, and, and, and then like, what does total consciousness mean right <laughs> i think like these are hard questions that we have to consider because i mean think about of it. our technology like a three-year-old may like in our sorry not three-year-old let's say like a two-year-old when they're two mm-hmm. knows it's like they're like aware that things are happening mm. but consciously speaking they don't comprehend anything that's happening like mm-hmm. i can't remember shit i did when i was two years old yeah. i have like v- maybe one or two memories so like if i was killed at two i wouldn't even even realize that i was killed right <laughs> like at least in my mind that's how i see it not saying that it's right to just like let's yeah. off my kid when don't he's two. off two year olds but, like, but what i'm saying is like okay even at two years old of being like literally out the womb you still don't even like fully comprehend what the fuck yeah. is going on yeah and also there's like the there's a couple thought experiments that, uh, and not to get too much down this one rabbit hole, but like, there's an interesting thought experiment about like if someone's in a coma, um, and they have like no chance of waking up, um, is it all right to just like pull the plug, or what if you, what if the uncertainty of them waking up isn't, isn't like, zero? Like, what if there's some chance but you don't know? Like, like is is a is someone who's like in a vegetable state? Like, is that valuable to have them alive? Right. Yeah, I, I think about that sometimes because it's like there's no utility. It's like, like, is, like, is there, is there, is there like a like? There's just moral questions around these kind of things that we haven't really. Well, it's like I think about it this way: culture. like a hundred years ago, they if someone fell into a coma, they're done. Like yeah. that's it. Survival mm-hmm. of the fittest, like Darwinism, whatever you want to call it. Like for whatever reason. Life didn't want this person to be awake anymore, and, like, we're just gonna, they're just gonna right. die. So it's the thing where, because of our technology, we're playing God. Yeah, we're actually playing God by keeping them alive. Yeah. Because now we're deciding that it's more moral to keep them alive as opposed yeah. to just letting natural causes take their place. And, of course, I'm not saying that either one is right or wrong. I'm saying it's, it's, it's like, it's a moral, like, thought yeah. experiment mm-hmm. question. But, but then also, yeah, like, we have to become more moral because of that power. Right. And so I, I might have mentioned this before. But uh, one of my favorite people ever is Eric Weinstein. I love him. Um, and a quote that he he uh, he said uh, when talking about stuff like this that like we just have this immense technological power um, and that we're just so foolish with it. He said um, that we are gods, but for the wisdom. And I thought that just encapsulated it so so well. We like, are gods for the wisdom. We are gods, but for the wisdom. What is wisdom? So like he, what he was saying is that we have godlike powers. But we're just so hopelessly foolish and unwise in how we use it, mm. and we we seriously need to catch up with it. Like it's just accelerating and it's just going up and up and up, and we have more and more godlike powers, um, but we don't know what's right or wrong. Like yeah. like when you can intervene, like in a situation like if someone goes into a coma, or mm. you can intervene in a pregnancy, like. Now that you have that power to play God, like to consider or uh, to decide if someone's alive or dead, like y- you really have to start thinking about it's kind of cr- in a moral framework, like deeply. It's kind of crazy yeah. though, because like we're saying, okay, we're not God, but yet we're the ones that conceptualize this idea of God. So it's like, in a sense, it's like we are projecting this ideal of spirituality out there through our language. If it wasn't for our language, that thing might not even exist. 
I mean, it might still the exist. The idea ideal? The, well, uh, the idea of, like, morals, all of this stuff, yeah. like, philosophy and stuff, it wouldn't really necessarily be um, a tool for us as humans to use or something like that. But, like, he's saying that we are gods, but for the wisdom, is almost saying, like, we're the ones that kind of, like, created this idea of God. And at the same time, it's like, we aren't that. So it's like we, well, that's in a sense, are like projecting our insecurity of like we need this higher force to control us. And maybe that's like yeah. artificial intelligence. Well, that's literally because humans literally think, like not saying that all humans think this, but in general, humans think that they're the best thing ever and that nothing is better than it other than the whatever <laughs> yeah. made it. So they we, have we, to like we, are conjure, dope, so. th- we have to conjure this idea of this like all-encompassing being that made us because what can be better than a human, but it's like, there's probably other beings out in the universe that are, like, way more advanced and, like, way more civil than we are as humans, and that's probably why they don't fuck with us, because they see us just killing each other and, like, wars and just fucking chaos happening here. Um, I think a lot of the idea... So, yeah, insecurities, like... We're just so insecure with ourselves, and we think we're the fucking best. Yeah. And at the same time, we don't. Like, we, we still need some guiding force. Yeah. It's weird. It's like we we think we have the power of God, but at the same time, it's like we're still children. Well, I think it's kind of going down your line. Like, we have wisdom at our hands, and we don't know how to use it. But we have the power at our hands. Yeah, we, we have we the, just lack the wisdom. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, what's... I'm saying, like, yeah, like, the wisdom... We have the ability to receive the wisdom, but we're too blinded by our insecurities and, like, just dumb nature to, like, yeah, I think grasp it. I think these are just questions that we never had to consider. So now it's, like, all of a sudden they're introduced. Right, because it was also, like, survivalism, and now it's coming to this ability where, like, technology can literally support life where we don't need to, like expend any energy to like survive yeah. other than like making sure you eat and brush your teeth yeah or, or like, like another example which is not too far off the horizon is like genetically modifying humans that's not too far out and like there's some serious moral implications like there are some things to think about there yeah and as sci-fi as that sounds like it's really not that far out and a lot of things like that mm-hmm. things like um have, have you heard like of Neuralink, Chris, crispr CRISPR yeah. is like you can cut out genes and like put them into other genes. Yeah, so you yeah. can like make someone have blonde hair, or you can make them make it make it so that like you're guaranteeing no like mental disabilities. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this is the one that will give you Down syndrome. So let's let's mm-hmm. move that over here. Like, yeah. Damn. And, so and nature doesn't even care. Nature's just like, oh, that person person has. Uh, down syndrome they're just indifferent but like humans are the ones that like place that belief of like good or bad moral that kind of thing yeah and then it's gonna then we have to really consider like what do we consider be good well i think it's coming to this for example it's like we're seeing i've seen like a lot of backlash from say like someone who's like a dwarf or someone who has down syndrome hearing the idea of uh, dwarfism or Down syndrome being completely eradicated from humankind forever. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, <clears throat> well, why would you want to eradicate us? Like, we, we can still, like, provide 
to like the greater good and like we're yeah. not like lost causes we're right. not just like a lump of like just meat like we're actually able to be functional right. people why would you stop nature from doing its thing yeah but like you get why like people i get with, both sides with, honestly yeah it's, like with, <laughs> with people people's good intentions like they want someone to not live in unnecessarily like have unnecessary suffering right and like having some sort of disability that makes it hard for you to work in our or not work like in the traditional sense of like working a job but like to function as an entity like in our like society in our structure like if we can get rid of that for you and like your life would be way easier like we feel like we should do that like we have a moral obligation almost to do that it's so hard when like the people who are living with that uh disadvantage if you will in terms of like comparing it to like say someone like you any of us who like there's things that they struggle with that most people don't well well, it's like because they live through it and they figured out how to live through it they're like well why would you want to stop other people from having to live through it because Mm -hmm. i made it happen so it's fine but it's like but in reality you're only saying that because you're alive and you have that but like everyone else like if i had to choose to have down syndrome or not i'm gonna choose not every time right and yeah we project but i also say that because i've never lived with down syndrome so i'm like some people think it's like more beautiful than just like the average human like they could argue to say that people uh, this is getting really like Dicey. Yeah, I mean, Dicey. It, it, like it's hard to talk about it because I don't want to like offend anyone or anything. But I guess I well, will. I don't think we're. I'll, I'll talk about it, but like we're not having very like convicted like stances. We're just talking about it in a general term. Yeah. It, it's just trying to like look at it in terms of like just seeing other people's point of view. I think, and like if someone does have a child with Down syndrome, um, they might see that being beautiful and like bringing joy into their life mm-hmm. in some way that's different than the having an av- average child. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a kid without Down syndrome. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Someone with just no like mental or like physical yeah disadvantage. Yeah. And it's hard to s- say that's a disadvantage if you're not or, like it's, 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 it's an abnormality. I mean, maybe people, people say atypical. Is yeah, atypical. It's like an anomaly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's, the, it's the percentage chance of you being born with Down syndrome is a lot less than just being born without it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think like neurologically atypical is like the preferred yeah. thing that people say, mm-hmm. which is crazy because like, <laughs> and just cre- like getting out of this a little bit, but still kind of attached. But like evolutionary biologists say that mutations are good because it creates this like randomized randomization in the population that like could. It, like, balances things. That could randomly, by chance, make that one minority population end up being better off. Yeah. Then now all of our population is, like, directing towards that mutation. Yeah. And then, like, all of us end up having it. I think that's pretty much gone, though, now. Yeah, because we have so much control on, like, what can happen. Well, it's... I mean, yeah, I I think... The control could actually be the thing that involves us further, but I think before that happens, we've pretty much stopped. Like nat- natural selection, like doesn't exist. People who are well, disadvantaged, to yeah, like people who are disadvantaged, though generally, like in the industrialized, like modern world, like if if you are born without legs, you can, you can still, still live. live a great life and have kids. You know what yeah. I mean? Like like there like you can live and and reproduce. With a, like a serious disadvantage that like, you know, three hundred thousand years ago 
you wouldn't have kids. Right. Um, so like, so the, I guess like the selection um, of certain traits that would be at a disadvantage, like from an evolutionary standpoint, like if we were living in a place where our needs weren't met easily, mm. those things aren't being selected out anymore. Do you think right. like, for Makes example, sense. and this is, I'm not Which saying that, I'm not saying that, that I feel strongly about this or the other, but like, Natural selection, everything kind of kept like say people being born with like webbed feet from happening, or uh, maybe not even webbed feet, something more like severe, like mm-hmm. being born with like de- crazy deformities yeah, like and shit. Or something. That like if you're born with that kind of genetic makeup, that if you had a child, that child's probably gonna have some of those effects. Mm-hmm. And like back in the day, like that just wouldn't happen. Like that person just wouldn't be mated with. But now it's like people some or they wouldn't have survived even right, right. Like, or they to, would be they would have been ostracized or killed because yeah. they look like a fucking they look not like everyone else and they're yeah. like holy shit we need to get this person the fuck out of here yeah I mean even 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 before like they reach sexual maturity like a parent might just be like yep I don't uh, know if I can take care of you no I mean yeah. I, I don't know how it was but like well they were just a lot they had like way that, less like morality or a filter or a sense of like what's it's not okay to be like, oh, that person is alive and conscious, but because I don't like how they look or whatever, like I'm gonna like off them. Yeah, just from like uh, like a pragmatic standpoint, like if you're the mother of a child who has, and this is talking about like way like, in the past, like, yeah, yeah, in the past, long time ago, if you were a mother who had a child with a serious disadvantage, like physically or whatever it was, um, when they were born. Like that would be a serious burden for you to carry out, like, like for your life to ki- like, yeah, to help and them. also like, like people and, like in the animal kingdom, like they'll just leave them. Yeah, they're just like no, like you're not gonna be able they to know because they know yeah, they're not gonna like, be able to keep up. Yeah, <laughs> and like we were like that, and like we still have that in us. Like, like we have not transcended our biology. I used to have a friend who would say like that we've transcended our biology in so many ways. Like everything is biological emotions. Everything is biological. Everything yeah. we do is driven by our biology. It's just that's, now that's that all that we is. have such a heightened sense of consciousness compared to other like animals yeah. that we the morality and and uh, what's the word uh, empathy starts to come in, and that's why we're like, oh well, we can't do that. We can't. It's not okay to like leave right. someone behind. Or but do even any even of that, that like like all of like all of your your cortex, which is like your it's. This is kind of like brain stuff, broad and not like exactly right. But like, <laughs> like, like your like your your cortex is like your like thinking brain, like like the big part of your brain, and then you have like your uh, limbic system. Yeah, like your limbic system, like your brainstem kind of thing, which is like your old like reptilian brain. Um, and we like to think that our our like cognitive brain, like our our thinking brain, is like what's doing all the thinking, but really it's like. It's your limbic system and like mm-hmm. your old brain that's that's sending signals to your smart thinking. thinking yeah, brain. definitely. Like it's not like it's not like you're th- you're like it's not as rational as you think. Like your rationality, like your rational process, is all driven by your biological process. emotions. Right. That's what beliefs come They're about. They're just chemical mm-hmm. like signals that are just innately happening in all humans. Yeah, t- it's 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 like it's stuff that. Like your like your brainstem, your limbic system, like that stuff. It's like hundreds of thousands, like millions of years old. Yeah, millions of years old. Like that's like 
we have not transcended that. <laughs> like, it's just a good addition to have this higher level of consciousness, but it's always going to be morphed. You br- kind of go into a different area. Uh, you you brought up the idea of Neuralink, and this kind of ties in yeah. with that. So it's like essentially what we're doing with Neuralink. Well, first let's kind of talk about yeah, what it. Is hey, what is Neuralink? Ne- Neuralink is going to be this like brain computer interface that's going to be able to connect us up to technology. Basically. Well, I said Elon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so and for for the purpose of like being able to say stop Parkinson's disease or at least initially, initially. or or integrate with artificial intelligence, <laughs> right? Which or... would be like right, like that's a spectrum, like that. That would be the exponential growth curve. It's yeah. like ultimate goal is to be like connected to our AI, but to start, it's gonna be more simple. Like, how can I fix this ailment that that's been like fucking your life up and yeah. make it go away? Yeah, right. So, I watched a podcast with Elon Musk and Joe Rogan. He was talking about Neuralink. And he was saying that, essentially, it's going to give us another layer. So, we talk about limbic system, um, cortex. Yeah, mm-hmm. cortex, which is the higher thinking. Then we have Neuralink on top of that. So, it's like we're going to have all the different processes uh, encompassed in one. So, he, he was essentially saying that even though you have this level, uh, this heightened consciousness of... What, what he calls like singularity, this merging with artificial intelligence, you're still going to have your limbic functioning. You're still going to have your conscious reasoning. <clears throat> and it's like, I don't know where I'm going with this, but just like <laughs> kind of like contextualizing it is like, how is that going to feel like? That's hmm. Oh, like a heightened sense of like re- reality. Yeah, and it's, it's like we have it really already because we still have our emotions and like we have our higher conscious reasoning and we know what it, that feels like obviously but then like adding another layer on top of that and is that the missing piece that's gonna like be able to solve morality Mm. yeah i mean i I think uh i I like to touch on like what that feels like that's interesting but i think that morality the way i like to think about it is that it all stems from biology like i i don't see morality and we've had this conversation kind of like I, i don't see morality as like there's intrinsic rights and wrongs in the universe like the universe just like you were saying like it's evolution indefinite. or dar- like the you know like darwinism like does not care i would consider the universe like as a whole like whatever that is as just being the true meaning of enlightenment which would be to just be completely indifferent to all <laughs> things it just is right it's just an ever like a never-ending chaos that just is and there is no good or Bad it's just or it's just right a spectrum of shit happening. Yeah, <laughs> but, but I I think though that we're I think we're different from that. I don't think that that should necessarily be our goal, like to be indifferent. Like I think that we, I think we can do that. I think that's like a thing that people do. Like I think people like reach enlightenment and they just accept everything as is, and then they separate themselves from yeah society. Right. <laughs> I, I think I think there's, I think instead of maybe doing something like that, I think we should lean into our our biology and like what things are biologically satisfying and meaningful and moral. I think like we really need to look at that and like how we function as individuals and how we function as a collective, as a society. Like that's where our morals come from. Like our morals are just like rough rules for how we should interact in like a dynamic system with individuals making a larger thing. I just had a brain blast. Yeah, I love it. So 
What if, okay, Brit Blast! With, with Andy's art, not <laughs> argument, but like, <laughs> Andy's saying that like enlightenment or the higher level of consciousness is just like indifference, right? Mm-hmm. What if that is the next step? What if when we link up to Neuralink, we become indifferent because now we realize that we're a part of this whole. We're just a small part of all of humanity while still being connected to the whole. So it's like, at that point, I don't care if I die because I know that maybe it's like, if, if, you're just like the singled out one person in the tribe, and you're saying you're really br- bringing us down. You're really bringing the whole down because you're causing ill effects for everyone. And then it's like we we kind of have to make the sacrifice and just off you. Mm-hmm. And like if you're connected to that higher level consciousness of connectivity of everyone, it's like okay, yeah, just kill me off right. because and I'm gonna you, move on and just like merge with your consciousness and being completely in, indifferent or enlightened, indifferent. if we will. Well, that that's assuming that like consciousness is like a collective thing. Which it will be because think about the internet. Be in a way, to I, the I see what you're saying. System, I see what you're saying in a way. Like um, we're gonna be able to upload yeah. our consciousness. So I keep cutting you off. I'm just like, <laughs> no, it's great. No, no, it's blasting. I can't stop it. <laughs> we we upload our consciousness onto this inner web. At, it's it's like social media. All these profiles are on there. Someone mm. might die. Like in a sense, we already have universal consciousness with Instagram mm-hmm. because it's like even if you die in the real world, still, your your digital self still lives on for the whole it's of literally a Instagram. Digital yeah, but but I, I think I think there's a I think there's a distinction between like like the concept of self and actual perception. Like like there's. Like, yourself, I don't think about myself as, like, contained within my flesh. Like, I think part of me is, like, your perception of me and, like, the photos of me on the internet. Like, people's perceptions is also me. Um, And I think that's kind of what you're getting at. But I think that experience, like, my experience of, like, being able to see, like, the lights around and, like, feel what this chair is like, I think once you're dead, you, you don't have that anymore. Well, what if you can, your consciousness can perceive that? Like, if I upload onto this platform right? My consciousness goes into this digital world. My physical body is just a, a sack of meat at that point. Mm. You could kill my sack of meat off, yeah. and but I can still live on. I see and maybe you okay. have that experience of being in your conscious now. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, like literally invased in his like consciousness. It, well, it's, it's kind of like Counter-Strike, right? You're like playing the game, you die off, but then you can zoom into a camera yeah. where, where you can now still you're following someone follow. else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess I guess you could do that. That's really interesting. Fuck, dude. This shit's like that's a future, man. This shit just scares <laughs> Maybe. me. Yeah, but <laughs> I, think, I think before we get there though, like again, it comes back to like we really need to think about is it morally yeah to do this? Like we need to have like a serious like cultural conversation about but all this stuff. The thing is, is like I don't really think fast. it's going to happen. Like I don't think there is going to be a moral conversation mm-hmm. about it. I think that no matter what we say or do about it, like people are still going to push for it to continue yeah. to like, like Elon Musk literally talks about how like this shit could be the end of us, but he's still the one fucking pushing the technology. Yeah, it's our infatuation mm-hmm. with progress and. It's like, fuck. It's like, you're literally like a double-edged sword. You're like telling us that this shit's fucked, but also you're like, I'm about to put chips in your brain, so get ready. It's like, yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> it's yeah, like, you I know mean, this shit's fucked up. Here, here's <laughs> what I think, though, is... I, I don't think we... I guess we, we could we could stop people from doing this at a certain level, but I think as consumer technology gets better and better, like 
they're just going to be bad actors who are operating outside of regulation who mm-hmm. just do it anyway. Like if you say, all right, and then it gets in the tech hands of people, people. Yeah, like if, if even if even if the government would just say, all right, tech people, you can't do these certain things because it's morally problematic, right? They're like, okay, like we obey the laws, we won't do it. But then like some Joe Schmo in his in basement who's wicked smart, <laughs> who's wicked smart. <laughs> Some, some smart. boy's wicked smart. Some, some some boy who's wicked smart <laughs> figures it out, and he like implements it, and he he doesn't care about the regulation. He's just like, I want to do something awesome, so he does it, and then it's out in the world. So I don't think that, I don't think that a strategy of, like trying to stop the progress is going to work. Like I think, the best thing we can do, is prepare for the progress that's inevitable, because I think it is inevitable. And like that preparation needs to, it, it needs to happen like before. That's why I think Elon Musk is still doing what he's doing because he knows that if he doesn't do it, someone else is going to do right. it. So he'd rather have some control in terms of like what the output is so yeah, that, totally. cause like he has good intentions, <laughs> at least it seems that he has good intentions yeah. for like the technology he's building and he wants to like transcend like human, the human uh, story into like outside of yeah outside of earth like we can be more than just this like stuck on this like rock that mm. we can do so much more and that we have the capabilities whereas like some people might have a more like negative reason for their push yeah. towards technology that's the issue it's more like it's less of, for me it's less about the fact that the technology is advancing it's more that i don't trust people yeah, it's the human that, that's pushing that, the agenda. Yeah, and that goes back to the we are gods, but for the wisdom. Like, if if we all trusted in each other that we had the proper wisdom to handle, like, to wield the power that we have, I don't think people would be so worried about the technology, like, the progress that we're making. But it's because we realize, like, how inept we are to deal with these moral, these moral situations. But we're mm. so powerful. Like, we can really do bad things Dude, we can when, literally end all human life right now yeah like when, in a, and, and a click of a button and we're hmm. it's it's only advancing more and more and with that stuff becomes more accessible to like rogue actors kind of thing like like i mean there might even be people out there now who are working on like 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 rogue state actors who are um who are like constructing hydrogen bombs or something like that and like that's serious destructive power um, and provided that they don't, like, there's going to be another thing that comes along that, like, they'll be working on trying mm-hmm. to get their hands on and right. wield power over everybody for if, bad reasons. If uh, we're going to be able to connect our consciousness with everyone with the use of Neuralink, then we're going to be able to kind of understand other people's consciousnesses as well. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's the thing that will allow us to have that sense of trust because we'll be able to know, like, the back end mm. reasonings and like see i don't think i want rationale. that like i don't think i want every every single human being i come in contact to like fully understand who i am mm. like some people i'm in, yeah. innately this like i don't want i just like don't want you to know who but, i am but i want there to be mystery that's your limbic system talking to you yeah but now we're playing god now we're saying let's put this chip in and i'm gonna decide for you that everyone's gonna understand who yeah. you are Whereas, like, and that's the what's, next... the, what's the fun of that? Like, how do you, like, there's no more building relationships. It's like, I'm at Cam for the first time right now, and I know everything about him already. He knows everything about me. Great. But now we're one. And yeah, we but I'm saying there's as... no, 
there's no like uh, level there's no level of connectivity in terms of the emotional level anymore emotions just are out the window well like in a sense like what love is this like sense of trust is that you like know that you trust someone's intention and you have like perfect communication with that person and it's like when you have really good communication and you're like syncing up with someone it's like damn that feels good yeah that yeah, feels but so good. good but like what's the I guess my thing is like the beauty of that is that it's hard to get that so when you do find it it's like damn I achieved this level of like connection with someone that's so like there was work and time it's invested rare, yeah. that it's mm. like this is like this is a strong feeling whereas like if it's just you don't have to do any work for it like I feel like that's just like the the bar of like feeling fulfilled of like a relationship or whatever it's just gonna be gone mm-hmm. but there's, there's gonna be no gonna fulfillment be... it's just gonna be like damn i fucking know everyone yeah fuck what <laughs> is all right think about the person that you like connect the best with in your life right now think of, and then consider the idea that what if you had that connectivity with literally everyone in humanity at the same exact time well i don't think that i don't have the the capacity to do that well, assuming that there's, like, Neuralink and you're all, like, we have a global consciousness kind of thing. Still, that's so much information. Like, where is that going to be stored? Are, you, I mean... Are we just going to be, like, all-knowing beings? Like, we're just going to be millions of fucking people just knowing every fucking thing? Like, <laughs> see, that's the thing. Like, if everyone knew if everyone knew how to do everything, then it was just, the conversation would be boring. It would be like, yeah, I already knew that. Yeah. There, you would never learn anything new. Uh, yeah, and I think, that, I think this is, like, I think... Yeah, like, once we get to that point of, like, boredom, I really worry about where that goes. Like, we're just, there's going to be a mass suicide, because everyone's just going to be like, fuck, there's nothing else to learn, yeah, there's nothing I, else to see, I know everything. On this physical reality, but right, what, and if, what just... if we go into virtual reality? At that point, we can, like, link all of our minds together, create, like, this crazy empire, and just, like, keep creating, I, building. Dude, this shit, <laughs> this shit is, like, so, like, not, like, I... This is at the point now that I'm thinking about it this way, which I've never thought about this, mm. but like potential. But the fact that it, it could be potential, I fucking hate it. I hate all of it. Yeah, I don't want Dude, it. Dude, this, this, this I is, literally don't this want is it. Like, <laughs> I don't is, get the fuck out. This is like when your grandpa talks about smartphones and Instagram. That's what Andy sounds like. Yep, <laughs> I'm so against it. Honestly, like yeah, yeah. I, I'm not against it in the sense that like if it's gonna help someone like fix their Parkinson's disease and like they're like shaking, that's sick. <laughs> But if, but if it literally makes me like know everything to the point where I can't learn anything new, fuck that. Well, Elon Musk did say that you can choose to, even though if you at get a certain the point you won't be able to though. Yeah, oh, fuck. really. But no, maybe no, that no. won't happen in our lifetime, and then that sense, no. I don't give a fuck. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. But like, at at some point, like all like all these things, and again, this is one of the things that Unabomber brought up. Like, we think that we introduce technology, and we think it's like. A choice and a convenience like when we invented cars we're like wow i could never have gone this distance like this fast this is incredible cars are great but then around that we had to construct all kinds of rules and like things you can't do and then also we changed the design of our infrastructure and like we have cities now where you can travel from far away to get to the city and your job's there but you live 50 miles away and so now if you don't have a car you're like at a serious disadvantage like if you, if you're living, like if you're living in a rural area, it's very difficult for you to find a job now. Like whereas before, um, so like like before before cars, 
there was work in your community where you could like get a job, right? right? So now that we have cars, if you don't have a job, you're just limited to that small, like the, the community that you can walk to or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Right. And if where maybe nothing's happening. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like before when first when cars were first introduced, it was a great convenience and you can travel and do all kinds of awesome stuff. Now you virtually have to have a car. Mm-hmm. And it, if you want to be a player in like right exactly in in the space and it's the same with like um something like the internet like if you're like I hate the internet I don't like that you know the government's watching us or whatever it is you're at a serious disadvantage now and if you mm-hmm. extrapolate something like that where uh, there's like a like a brain AI interface where you're hooked up to the internet seamlessly like if everyone has that but you. You're like barely a person, like you can't compete at all. Meaningless. You can't compete at yeah. all. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing. It's like right. if you gave everyone the choice of being able to just be all knowing, or to be like, oh, if you don't want that, you don't have to. But mm-hmm. like, say even half the people decide to be all knowing, that half is just gonna like outplay the rest of the people. Yeah. And it's just gonna be like unfair. Because it's like, damn, they, they can literally, like, make the dopest music. They can fucking... They, can, yeah. they literally are perfect at golf. They just hole-in-one every time. Because they can just, like, calculate the fucking physics behind it. Just boop! Or instead, you could just be Tiger Woods. You don't even have to you learn it yourself. Just you, you just Yeah, but, like, zoom into his I'm saying, like, well, at that point, I don't think leisure activities such as sports would even be fun. Because yeah. it would be, like, you're just so good at it that it's, like... It's not even cool. Yeah, I, I don't. Like, I don't whatever. think that we're there yet. I don't think that we're in a place where we have to make that decision. But I think probably our kids, maybe grandkids, probably grandkids. Dude, this is why I don't want to have kids. Stuff. Like part, of, like I want to have a kid really bad, but also yeah. like morally, I just don't want to put someone in like this like fucking just craziness. Yeah. We're also not considering that if we can get Neuralink to the point where we can upload our consciousness and get into the mainframe then we could live on in the digital world. Our biological bodies will break down. But yeah. then like the, the data storage just gets in there and like What's as the long point? as they're keeping keep on building the, that data storage, just, we can live yeah, on. That's just your like uh, It's not my uh prerogative. It's like that's the reality if like this is possible. Yeah, but I'm saying why I'm I'm thinking more like fundamentally why do humans have such a like an innate like they're, we're always clamoring towards, like, how can I live eternally? Mm-hmm. When, like, naturally yeah. speaking, like, eternal life uh, in terms of, like, you still being conscious as Kyle Fisk or as Andy Padula is, like, that's not a thing. Well, like, like in this... everyone, we want to say it's a thing, but we don't know for sure if it's a thing, right? If I die, do I live on forever or not? Like, mm-hmm. we don't know. We just, like, God does this or whatever. Well, we don't fucking know. We're just trying to like find meaning. But it's like, we're just like, oh, well, we can just artificially keep ourselves alive forever and ever and ever. It's like, why? I don't want to be alive forever and ever and ever, honestly. Yeah. I just want to die at some point (laughs) and just be done with it. I'm going to try to blow your mind right now. I'm excited. Um, So, like, Einstein, he said, matter cannot be created nor destroyed. Right. Right? So, if we can create an artificial intelligence like platform where we're able to upload our consciousness onto that and like live on forever in our like perception of whatever that reality is then matter is not being created nor destroyed in that even though it seems like we're living on forever so it's like considering that um 
that reality and then like considering this reality right now what if our consciousness is living on eternally because our matter cannot be created nor destroyed so, so like, it's it's like, like saying, simulation you're thinking about it's talking? saying that like if we can create a reality where our perception of consciousness is living on it's like what if that's already being done right now yeah so you're saying that basically we would be uploading our consciousness into a, a virtual world that is simulating what we are experiencing now. It could be Forever. already happening. Yes, well, that that's an that's right, an argument. But then it's also saying, what if it's just that we're in a natural world that's not a simulation, but like we're still through the natural world through Mother Nature, our consciousness is living on forever, kind of thing. So there's two kind of rabbit holes i mean the way i think of it is that consciousness is strictly a specific combination of energy and matter happening in in an instance so like what makes you you is very different than what makes me me right the energy and matter that makes me is not the same as you like it comes from the same origin but it's a different combination of things and so when you die, like, that shit isn't all connected anymore. It doesn't and evaporate, like, though, either. No, but it, it's it, a closed it, system. But, I, but I'm, I'm saying, like, in real life, if I die right now, like, the energy and matter that makes me me decomposes into something else. So, like, it's never going to be in the same, like, molecular uh, pattern. It'll be, like, mixed with other shit. If you die right now, your consciousness could go to a lower level of consciousness. And get dis dis dissipated right, like for disappear. something else to grow into. Exactly. That's, but like, if that's you, how I see it. If like we heighten our consciousness as a whole, like not, again with the principle not nothing be created nor destroyed, it's taking consciousness away from other things. So like, if we heighten our consciousness, there's gonna be more people, right? Because we're living on eternally. Mm -hmm. So what if like more animals start to die because like we're eating more? And like their consciousness, well, if we're saying their lower I, level consciousness, humans are so such an invasive species is fucked. Yeah, so then it just ends up like pushing up the ladder, and that's why I don't. But fuck we with still, that. but we still are in a closed system where like the total but, of consciousness is going to maintain that same amount. Yeah, well, but I, what's I, the purpose? I, I, don't, of this? I don't think consciousness is in the same realm of matter, where <clears throat> matter slash energy cannot be created nor destroyed. <clears throat> I don't think that it's. I don't think consciousness is like a thing like that. Like I think consciousness to me, the way I see it is it's just the experience of what it's like to be something. It's just it's just like the qualitative experience. Like I don't think that there's any like essence of it. Uh I'm not saying there's I know there's not. Like it's just something we don't really know. It's still kind of like a mystery. Um but I don't think there's anything to suggest more than anything else that it's there's some essence to it like it it, it, ma it makes sense like just from a logical standpoint that it's like your brain is a complex system and it processes information and consciousness is just like the processing of the processing it's so just like noticing that you're processing we could make the analogy of like our brains is like a smartphone iphone and like our brain is the hardware the mm -hmm. iphone's casing and shit in there is the hardware mm. and then like the apps and the software and that is similar to like our processing of information yeah. that goes on in our heads yeah so yeah, but, but, what if you create like a bunch of iphones and we're increasing in, in a sense we're increasing the 
amount of consciousness in that system. Mm. But but I don't think the processing is consciousness even. Like you can like like a camera is taking in uh, taking in photons and processing it. I wouldn't but say it's not it, conscious. I wouldn't say a, a camera's conscious. Like I don't mm. think it's aware or experiences its vision. Like I I, I don't. So you right, think it's it, inf- infinite then? What is consciousness? Is an infinite. Thing. I, th- I, no. I think it's finite. How did you get that? What do you mean? Yeah. Because you're saying there's either. like a, just a constant level of increase that could be added on. Like it's not a closed system kind of thing. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, as in we could become more conscious. Like like there's like a scale of consciousness. Yeah. And we can just like keep blasting to the ceiling. Probably. Probably, yeah. And with something like if we get a, a brain-computer interface and we hook up, quantum computers to our brain like your experience is going to be very very different um probably see different dimensions like i mean you and you can just you can like think on a level that doesn't make any sense to you now like it one of the like a totally scary thing is like just forget about quantum computers just like a regular computer so if if you built like a regular computer that was um let's say like the same structure as your brain just made out of like silicon and like it's you know like electrical signals like in a uh, like a, a big desktop uh like the same level of quote-unquote intelligence like it's literally the same structure as your brain same map of neurons or whatever it is um just because of the physics of how computers work like electrons through a circuit it's so much faster than your brain that it would effectively be way way smarter Mm-hmm. So if you then consider, because it's 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 artificially made, not like biologically made. Just because it's faster, like just just because the the speed of electrons through like 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 a current of electrons is faster than the physical like there's yeah there, the, there's, the there's natural ones that are happening. Yeah, there's there's like physical things that are like like chemicals that are moving in your brain that are really really right. slow compared to like electrons moving in a current. Yeah. So like just as a function of the computer being really not faster, and anything. they can constantly ex- um, in- in- increase expand. the processing speeds. So of that. if anything, we what we're trying to do is power. make humans just really fast computers. Yeah, I guess. But so, but so like the experience of that. But like then, then what? What's the purpose of being a human at that point? Yeah, and that's what we have to figure like, out. It, well, that's why I always like think like I, you know, on our podcast, we always ask people about you know the meaning of being a human and it's like there's going to be no meaning to being a human when we're pretty much run by complete technology like Mm. the we're gonna lose a sense of like naturalism of being a human we're gonna lose the sense of being the kings and queens of this world think about like a rat for instance like us comparing our conscious level to a rat we could consider maybe a rat's consciousness to be meaningless. We're going to be a rat compared to artificial intelligence. And we have to either sync up or be left out and just... Yeah. We, yeah, and I mean, I can sit to. here all day and say I don't want it, but the fact of the matter is is that it's inevitable. So, like, at some point, if it does happen in our lifetime, I'll just have to come to acceptance with it, which is fucked. Yeah. I, I don't know. But, like, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe... Who knows? Maybe it's fucking amazing. And, and it's, like so crazy that we will forget 
what it was like to think in a in a way where it's like I don't want to lose this sense of reality. Yeah, there's there's something about me like that doesn't want to go there just because I, I know how much it would change what it is to be a human. Like there's there's something innate in us that's this like self preservation, like this concept of self we want to keep consistent. Um, like biological self. Um, I mean, even even beyond that, like our like. Like our our concept, like your perception of me, I don't want to change that too drastically. Like it's just something that's intrinsic in us. Like we we like to maintain our concepts, our concept of self. Like when do we still have steady. that? If like let's say you two are linked up right now, and you just like have complete understanding of one another, because like his consciousness is like I can read you, I can understand you, mm. and now you're at peace a little bit. Yeah. What I what I was getting at though is the just the stark difference from I sort of fantasize maybe too much about uh, how awesome it would be to live like a primitive lifestyle like like to just go like live in a, a cabin or like in a tribe or something with like a small group of people and have really really tight knit close connections uh, but like you point out um we would have really close connections, obviously, but there's just there's there's just something something about it that's like I feel like I'm sacrificing my myself for a new self. What and if some something in like my self preservation is like I don't like that? What if that's yeah. in your limbic system? Yeah, like it's an emotional thing. So that's it actually is, yeah. maybe a lower level consciousness. Yeah. And it's like I think I think the limbic system is rooted in like the ego. The ego being like Definitely. this thing that's like that selfish and like um, self, like take 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 and like wants to just feed our emotions kind of thing. Yeah, of course, that's and, how you live. <laughs> and then like spirit, they always say in spirituality, like let go of the ego. Yeah. Essentially, that's what we're going to be doing in the practical reality. Is like we're going to have to let go of our ego to go link up to Neuralink, <laughs> and like expand our consciousness yeah. kind of thing. I don't know if I like it. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. It's like your limbic system is there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And it's like if you were just like completely indifferent and and just like had no ego, then you probably wouldn't feed yourself because you're indifferent to your hunger. You'd just be like, I don't need to eat. It might be a guiding force, though, too. Because like, like we said, we have our limbic system, our cortex. It's still contained. We're adding a third layer, and all three of those are still contain- contained. So we'll still maybe be able to have our limbic processing to be able like guide the higher level of consciousness. It's just going to amplify ego, is what mm-hmm. I think. Maybe. If, it, if it's, it's layering on top so of itself and not getting rid of anything, then literally you're like, if you're an all-knowing being mm-hmm. and, you, and you're not self-aware and you're not like, uh, see, like, think about it, like, Someone who's completely like not self-aware and has a really issue, really big issue with their ego, like being so big, and then give them more power, like, yeah. dude, that they're they're just gonna fuck shit up. Like Trump. No. Yeah, like think about someone like Trump who's got like the biggest ego of all, and then make him like hella conscious, even it, more conscious. But it might be something like through having. A connection with everyone else you realize like oh i shouldn't do this mm-hmm. messed up stuff but what if what if all that was but, but we don't know but how do we know that that thing. that understanding all other consciousness doesn't mean that you can't just like use that to your advantage to like 
like social media. But then I guess if everyone like, else can like read you too, then they can yeah. just read between, read through that. They'll be like, nah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think you can't fuck with me because like I know what you're doing. Here's like the, the, the thing that I worry about is I, I don't even know if we'll reach that point. Um, uh, yeah, I feel like we're talking about like the very extreme of what that could yeah. be, and I don't think it'll reach that in our lifetime. Yeah, I just I just don't think we'll. I, I worry that we will just be so far outpaced by our own technological progress that. We, we just it comes back to the thing like that we are gods but for the wisdom like I feel like we're we, just gonna eradicate ourselves <laughs> through this like technologic this like fight for technology yeah I, I really I really think like we have to catch up with our technology like our culture has to and, and I think there is some hope for me that the like serious acceleration of our technology has been fairly recent um, like, especially on, uh... Right, like, the internet started, like, in the <clears throat> 90s. Yeah, yeah. Especially, like, on evolutionary timescales, like, this is very, very new. But even, like, talking about society, like, civilizations, like, it's pretty new, the, like, the territory that we're in now, and, like, the exponential growth, like, it's really, like, ramping up now. Um, and I kind of have some hope in that for us, like, to figure out... figure out how far behind we are, like... I think it was so slow and gradual. We didn't really realize like how far behind we were, or maybe we weren't that far behind. Like we could keep up with it, but slowly and slowly it became more and more accelerated. Right. And like biologically speaking, humans aren't advancing the way technology is. Not even close. Yeah, we're, we've like you were saying, we've stopped our advancements in terms of like letting natural selection pick off like weak things and mm-hmm. and help morph. Uh, like the genetics of human nature to be better and better and we've kind of just like limited it because we keep everyone alive and so that's not like a thing anymore mm-hmm. meanwhile technology we're just like yeah. so humans are like here and this is just going like skyrocketing and we're just not even meeting it yeah. at all so it's pretty clear like that our our hardware like our biology is unless we physically start altering it like if it's, we if, if, we, not if we do, do like, like Neuralink kind of stuff. So it's pretty clear that, yeah, our biology is not going to meet our technology. Like, it's just... We, like, evolution, stopped evolution. We've, we've essentially stopped evolving, and even if we hadn't, it's way too slow compared to our technological progress. Yeah, technology will always advance faster than, like, biology. Yeah, but the, the thing that we do have that we can advance is sort of like our software, which is I would say is our culture. It's sort of like our software. Um and I think that's what we need to get serious updating on. Uh, that's the only thing we have to keep up with it. And right. That's where the internet kind of comes in. Mm-hmm. The internet, like, has changed our culture in dramatic ways. And as long as, like, we're on a digital interface, with, which we will be with this Neuralink thing, I think <laughs> but the, but, but the before culture we even will get advance there, with that, maybe. I think before we even get there, though, like, we have to catch up a lot. And... Just to close out, the, the reason why I have hope is because, um, because because of this is so recent, like this big spike in advancement, I think probably for a while we just didn't notice. It was sort of like like the uh, like the the frog in the hot water or the water that's slowly slowly heating up and it d- didn't notice, and then all of a sudden it's boiled. Um, I think the the water's heating up now at a more and more rapid rate. And we're starting to notice the difference, like, from moment to moment. 
in our culture, like, whoa, like, this is getting really fast. Like, are we ready for this? And I think that we're starting to realize that now, just how far behind we have been and how fast things are going as a culture. And that gives me some hope that we can, we can realize we got to get our act together and, like, figure these things out. Um, Do you believe in Moore's Law, the exponential growth of technology? Yeah, I, I think it applies to a lot of things, but, yeah, like, computers definitely. I guess it's sort of slowed down in computers, um, just like the physical transistor thing that it was originally talking about. But, uh, yeah, something like that is definitely going on with technology. Like, it will just get faster and faster advancing. And smaller and... Yeah, more to, powerful. To, um... <laughs> nano level. Because, like, just, this might be for the listeners more so, but, like, I always think about these ideas, and I try to, like, find a reason why I'm thinking about all this, and I found that me personally um, investing in the stock market to make this pragmatic, investing in the stock market is good to, like, because it allows me to, like, learn all of this stuff and then actually apply it to make money. So it's like, if you know that these kind of trends are happening, then put your money into these Those big companies. tech companies because you're going to win out, especially if we're going to have exponential growth in the next 30, 40, 50 years. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're going to be winning out pretty big. Mm-hmm. But that, but what's the purpose of money if we have, like... Abundance? Like, such an well, abundance or, or, or if we don't have meaning either. Yeah, like, if we're completely that's, that's indifferent the biggest, that's at the, that point... That's like the biggest thing for me that I, I mean, that's the thing that I was inspired so much about Andrew Yang's campaign is that it was like a call back to consider like what we find valuable as humans. And I think that that, that was a voice that needed to be heard. Um, and I think during this global pandemic, like everything being shut down, like people aren't working, I think it's a really good time for people to examine ask that question of themselves like what is valuable to me yeah it's a it's a huge question and i really hope that it i really hope it's it sparks that like maybe this is a thing that we needed to spark the conversation about what we find valuable Mm. and like to really start considering these moral questions um because if we don't like (laughs) things might well the thing too is like i feel that it's impossible for human to know what what is valuable to them without understanding who they are in the first place mm-hmm. like having self-awareness of like and that's hard to teach like yeah. how do you go about telling someone to be self-aware cuz like the, the the idea of value to someone who's self-aware as opposed to someone who's not is very different yeah like some like, like, I, like I could just picture it like someone who's not self-aware is just like playing to their insecurities and just, like, trying to follow whatever. Like, I like uh, mansions and, and, and Lamborghinis, whereas, like, someone else would be like, I value, like, unity and... Freedom. freedom. So they critically yeah, think, like, like how can I achieve freedom? very different things. Because people who like Lamborghinis aren't free. A lot of them are, like, slaves yeah. to material yeah. to, like, to, again, perpetuate their insecurities that they need to be accepted as humans in, in mm. our society. Mm. Whereas, like, being self-aware and feeling and valuing freedom and stuff, you want to go, like, I'm going to go live in a yurt in the middle of nowhere and I'm going to be happy as fuck. Yeah. Like, that's two very different lives. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and technology is exposing that. Yeah. In people. Yeah, and I think the, the example that you just uh, just brought up, I think, are... Uh, they they show the difference between 
operating on, just on behalf of your limbic system and the difference between that and knowing that you're operating on behalf of mm. your limbic system. Because, like, that's really what it is. Mm, and, good like, point. It's, it's very, very useful to know how... To, to sort of, like, be meta about your psychology and your decisions. Like, to know... Like, like to observe that you're making a decision or to observe, like, what is going on inside. Um, because some of that is, like, rationally is not good. Like, like when you get angry, for instance, if, if you're in an argument with someone, you get angry, like, you're just going to lash and you don't realize that you're angry. You have no defense against just acting out of anger. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone... All you can do is act angry. Mm-hmm. But if, if you know, if you realize, okay, I'm getting angry right now, I need to like take a deep breath and be conscious of not acting on that anger. Or you could act on it, but you just act on it with wisdom. It's like you could be but, angry. But, but if, if you don't know that you're angry, there's no, there's no way to apply the wisdom. What if you are like angry and you realize you're angry and you kind of like go in this meta perspective yeah. and you're like carrying out the act of anger, yeah. but you're still like, okay, I know I'm angry. Like I'm just playing. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you could, I guess you could do that, but like my, I guess my my point was that as we get more, as we can go to further and further extremes, as we get more powerful, I think it's it's been evident that we've been moving in this direction of like being more aware of how we work. But I think we really need to do that more. Like as we get more powerful, like if someone just got angry and didn't realize they were angry, or some other example, like. Somebody could just destroy the world, <laughs> like if and be like, "Oh wow, I just didn't even realize." It's like, it. yeah, I, I, I guess I, I wasn't really thinking; I was acting on impulse. That moves us into a situation now where it's like, are emotions even important to have? Depends. I mean, like objectively, like from the universe's standpoint, no. But like from our standpoint, as like biological like humans, we're not human at that point. Yeah. So, the idea of being a human is completely altered forever. Yeah. If there's no, if everyone is emotionless. Yeah. And this goes back to the. Then we're just computers, right? But what if that's best for humanity? But to 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 what to Cause, what? Because now no one's acting out of anger, like you're saying. Yeah, like, but what if that's the beauty of being human? Is the fact that there is that that we kill each other, and that sure. there is that uh, chaos theory is being played out, mm-hmm. that like. If you we stop all chaos, like, then what? If there's just just nothingness, mm. yeah. Part part of me, it's like the. I don't think it's possible. Honestly, I, I, I think I think it, it. It's hard to know for sure. I think it probably is possible, but the self preservation part of me is like, nah, I don't want that. Yeah, it's more like I just don't want it. it, yeah. it maybe maybe it, it is might, possible. It might I be. Just... It, it might be the best actually, but. Still, I'm like, but that that, that feels ego like a, in you. Is it saying, feels like um, a total betrayal of everything that we came from, I guess. And if if like a total betrayal of myself in this current state, like if yeah. I were, if someone were, were to ask me, do you want to, like if uh, Morpheus came from the matrix from outside the matrix and said, hey, do you want to be involved in this global connectivity thing? I'd be like, no, no. <laughs> Like, I, I really don't think that I, I would. I don't think, like, we were meant to, like, understand every single human being that was ever, or every single thing that was ever alive, like. Well, it kind of be like YouTube, where you can search it. It's all out there, like, 
Instagram, all these people posting profiles or we're just playing. Their no, profiles, I think like, we've already gone too far. Really? Yeah, we're <clears> in a we're lot playing, of ways. We're playing God to like a level that I don't even think we comprehend. Yeah, yeah. we're just baby steps, man. In in terms of like grand scheme of techno technological innovation, we're yeah. just like. I just think so that we don't realize how powerful technology is there. and what it's going to do to humans. Yeah. Like the <laughs> the ideal thing shit all hu- like all living beings on earth will be completely affected by whatever the fuck we do with yeah. that te- with this technology. Yeah, totally. I think pro- probably the ideal thing for me though is something like although that doesn't work out either. <laughs> I mean like really it's like the, the the cleanest way to really it's like if, if we absolved ourselves from all this responsibility like we just took away our powers things would be a lot simpler I don't know if that'd be better because uh, obviously we do want we, we, we want to have the power to do things that we see that are good but like I don't think that we can come to an end with that and say we're satisfied with how with the power that we have like i think we we could get to a point where for instance like scarcity is effectively zero everyone's um needs are met um and we can do things like genetically engineer people um but like 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 where does where does that stop like like genetically engineering people Right. Like, like, then does, someone... does it does it does it go like so far to the extent where we can make people hyper intelligent? Like, <clears throat> well, you then saying... we have a hyper intelligent person, and then the rest of society. It's like okay, now everyone has to get on board with that. True, it sets the bar. Like we're we're constantly mm-hmm. setting humans the bar are just higher. too greedy for power. Yeah, that like even subconsciously speaking, that like once you start to gain it, you want more, and there's never like a sense of relief yeah. when you reach a certain level because you're always setting the <laughs> next bar, and like this is a uh, coming back from a podcast that was that that we did a while ago with uh, JP Goodman. He said, "You listen to that one." Yeah, he said, "If I was happy all the time, I wouldn't want that because then my my base level is just being happy all the time. So being happy wouldn't mm-hmm. even have the same effect anymore." Mm-hmm. You know, if you're just happy all the time, then like, are you actually happy? Yeah, the bar is always. So amazing. you're we're always just. Yeah. So like, I almost think it's better to set a goal that's, a hundred percent unattainable, but we convince ourselves that it is attainable, so that we're working towards it, but we're never gonna reach it. And that's where spirituality is. That's the reason why I said that's the north star is because that's like ever increasing. It's like infinite level of trying to. St- keep achieving i don't think there's any because it's less tangible it's less physically tangible at least it's like something that is uh way less comprehensible as opposed to like building a chip that i'm going to put in my brain and it's going to make me do things yeah and i think the reason why like people get frustrated about philosophy and i'm saying that spirituality and philosophy like philosophy is like the thing that roots that's Root, that that roots spirituality in the the re- reality that we're in right now. Does that make sense? Like you have the spirituality which is all like like hazy, and then philosophy kind of like grabs onto that and like brings it down into yeah our our day to day life. And like people look at philosophy and they're like, oh, that shit's like meaningless, and like what's the point of all of that? But I think the fact that we ha- have philosophy and we can't really pin like 
philosophy has been around for fucking thousands of years and we don't have this like set guideline of like how we should live life and i think the fact that we can't pinpoint how to live life is like what's going to allow humanity to keep evolving that like open-endedness and i think as we move more into this technological future like philosophy is going to be more and more important absolutely yeah I mean, yeah, that's 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 sort of like what I bring up when I talk about the, the need for a cultural revolution. Like, we need we need to consider these moral questions because the power that we have is just so great now. Like, mm-hmm. we we can't we can't continue to ignore the responsibility that we have. Yeah. Damn. This do you, is wild. Do you, th- do you think about this stuff a lot? Like, in your day to day? Um. Not a lot. No. I I used to. I mean, like a couple of years ago, probably I was. I was more deep into it. Like I would, I I would I have a lot of notes on my phone. Like I would like hmm. like write things down about stuff like this. I haven't had a conversation like this though um, about this idea. Uh, it I'm, I'm more scared of it now than I have been previously. Yeah. Well, this is why. Like so. Like Kyle is reading this stuff like on a daily, and I just avoid it because I know it's happening. But I just don't want to like be in this like existential like crisis mode all the time uh but like i i read it because it's like so important i i feel like that's like the only thing that's important right now because why is it important because it's like where our humanity is headed towards yeah i, I don't want to like delve off into this i want to like ask you okay so is this something that you think about a lot of times and it's like here you are as a creative, as an artist that's making music all the time, and you're saying that you go get into these like writers' blocks and stuff like that. And now we're having a conversation, and ninety five percent of the conversation is about this. Mm. And is is this like maybe your calling? Is this something you're interested in mm. more so than like music? Yeah. Not to like throw you off on a t- <laughs> no, tangent, no, that, that's a good question because um, there was there was a period where. Uh, I am very interested in these kind of like philosophical ideas and it's something that I've I mean for as long as I can remember probably uh, always been sort of interested in I had some years like probably two three years ago maybe a little more when I was really really deep into it Um, I was constantly like writing stuff and like pondering things Um, and I did consider like writing like books about this kind of stuff. Um, ultimately, I think I just... I think I decided that I wasn't passionate enough about it or that... Um, or that someone else could do it better, maybe. I don't exactly remember, but I, I decided against and decided to um, pursue like music. But it's, it's, it's not like... I think mainly it was... It was like I had to pick one thing, at least one thing to start with. <laughs> you know, like like there's still a lot of things I want to do, and I'll probably do a bunch of those things. But I, have, I, the idea was that I had to start with one. So I think right. I picked music sense. for that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would love to have a platform to talk about this kind of stuff or to write about it. Uh, it's it's definitely something I feel passionate about. Do you think stuff like this could? help influence your music in a way like philosophy yeah mm. like the just knowing like where this kind of stuff goes like mm. and your music's orchestral so it kind of like 
ties into it. I don't know. Orchestra se- seems to me like the philosophy genre of music. Oh, yeah. In a yeah. Way. It's like yeah, this it's, unison of sounds. <laughs> yeah, f- yeah. For some reason, uh, orchestral stuff, classical, is like very like. Uh, high tier kind of yeah stuff. it's seen as like uh, it's gonna make me smart yeah shit. yeah <laughs> uh i think interestingly though i think there is studies to, like back that up that like it, it, it might it might be correlation but like people who like listen to classical like have higher iqs on average than people who don't or whatever um but does it influence i i, I don't actually a little bit because there were i don't write a lot of lyrics um, I don't write, write a lot of like singer songwriter kind of stuff. Yeah. Like radio kind of songs, like Spotify things like that. Um, but on the occasion that I do have that idea, a lot of it is oriented towards ideas like that. Like, and <clears throat> it definitely comes out in the stories that I write for sure. Got it. Is it like, lyrics? Okay, so it, it's somewhat like it, yeah. maybe not specifically your like movie scores. Yeah. Or whatever, but like. In general, like your ability to create music or stories, it could be influenced. Yeah, I, I, I would love to. I would love to have like the outlet of these ideas be stories. I think stories are super, super powerful. Like much more than, uh, I mean, they're obviously much more accessible than just like like to read like, like Nietzsche or something like that. Right. <laughs> like like. To read one of those books, like, they're very dense. And, like, they're really not accessible to most people. Uh, I mean, even to me, like, I've read some some of it, and I'm like, this is very dense. Uh, but, like, a story is, you can you can capture a lot of those same ideas, but you can, you know, give someone in a pill that's, like, a lot easier to swallow. Uh, that's why I really love stories. And, and, like, the, something about stories is just so, it's similar, like, quotes. Like, when you hear a quote, it's really, really good. You remember it because it's just so elegant. And, like, it's just easy to sort of grab onto. Bite-size philosophy. Yeah, yeah. Sense. And so stories, uh, I think it's something that's sort of baked into us. Um, yeah. We, we, just, we, we just have such a strong connection with narratives that when you, when you put inside of that, like, a philosophical idea, even if, even if, like, consciously you don't notice it, subconsciously, like, it's... It, like really really resonates and like will stick in your brain that that idea mm-hmm. that's that's where i would like to see a lot of um my thoughts on philosophy come out i think it's i think that's really like the best way to do it a I, lot of times i think i know why it, it's baked into us mm-hmm. because stories bring out that emotion side of us and that's the limbic system and that's mm-hmm. the ancient part of us and um when you tap into that the same thing like with music why you remember lyrics so well is because it brings out that limbic system in us. Mm. And, like, things like Nietzsche, it's more geared towards, (laughs) like... very cortex-oriented. Yeah, and that's why it's, like, not accessible to everyone because maybe everyone doesn't, like, tap into that level of cortex that Nietzsche had. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think many people tapped into the cortex like Nietzsche did. Yeah, he was up there. But, yeah, that's that's a good observation. Um... And when you're saying you're writing, is are you making like a movie? Like I, I'm just like, like so sh- out of that. Is that like the the, the narrative for the script? It's like the script like... basically. Yeah. So okay. so a screenplay would be like uh, it would it has like the dialogue and it has like the action like like Bob and Jim are standing outside of the corner store and like Wendy approaches and then it says like mm-hmm. Wendy and it's like 
hey, what's up, boys? And then, like, you know what I mean? Like, that that's a screenplay. Yeah, he's, like, building the artificial environment that will be physical once the mm-hmm. thing yeah. would be created. It's sort of, like, instructions for... How like, to make it. Yeah, for, like, how to make it. Uh, aside from, like... Uh, how it's made! <laughs> it's how it's made, yeah, really. It's, like, the it's a blueprint. <laughs> it is kind of... It is, yeah, that's a good way to put it, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a more precise blueprint than, like, if you were just to, like... If I were to give you, like, a 30-second pitch of a story... Uh, that's like a pretty vague blueprint, but like a screenplay is like a lot more. Or even just give someone the script to something, but give them no context into like what the environment is or like Mm. what's happening. Yeah. Like you give them no idea, like what's happening around you, what (coughs) building you're in or where you are. It's just like, just say these words and like film it somewhere. (laughs) Figure Uh, it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you say that because I, I think about sometimes, um, how like, People say you're not supposed to do this. Like a a screenplay is supposed to be really like instructions for like the actors and like the setup kind of stuff. Uh, maybe maybe I shouldn't do this, but I, I do find myself like trying to make it really elegant and like almost looking at it as like an art form. And like maybe other people do that, but like I'll put way too much time into like making the words nice and stuff like that. But really, it's just got to be like instructions. I think <laughs> I do that all the time. I think a really cool experiment would to be like do a competition where you take a script for like a story that's I don't know about anything. It'd be like a fictional story and then give it to like I don't know five to ten different directors mm. and give them no instructions in terms of like what the environment is or like any of that context but just just like what's being said between the characters and then like see what every them. single director came up with mm. and then like pick like the coolest one that sounds like a screenplay for a TV series so, like yeah like a like a competition almost it's like we're going to give you script yeah. to uh a story but there's going to be no context into where this is happening when it's happening mm-hmm. anything that's happening around the the conversations just the conversations you figure out what the rest of it is like yeah. mm-hmm. whoever wrote the actual scripts like idea may be completely like perverted to something else that's just like, just by like change they could be like in fucking outer space like doing something and it was like supposed to happen in like a city somewhere. Yeah, that definitely sounds, it sounds definitely like a comedy kind of thing. Yeah, just like, like oh my god, what, this is, how did this happen? How did we get here? <laughs> Have you ever seen Midnight Gospel? No. No. That's essentially what it well, sounds like. Well, Midnight Gospel is, I don't really see it that way because like, well, maybe, yeah, kind of. Because like Midnight Gospel is basically like, it's like this dude's like having a podcast interview with someone from like this alternate like universe of Earth. But, like, when they're talking to each other, they're speaking about stuff that's relevant to, like, you or I right now in this physical reality. So it's like listening to a podcast, but you're watching these two beings that live in alternate universes, and, like, he's coming into, like, this other, the guest's, like, universe, and there's, like, so much shit is happening. Like, all this cartoon and just, like, wild, like, trippy shit happening, but they're having, like, a very casual, like, podcast conversation. So it's like, it could be like that, right? You have this, like, you have this script where it's, like, this love love story. But meanwhile, there's fucking, like, demons, like, fucking up all of humanity. But, like, they're just following the script. So, like, doesn't matter to them, nothing on. matters, right? Like, they're just following the script. But, like, just chaos is happening behind them. 
Like, that would be fucking hilarious. Very different. That's very different. <laughs> Basically, I feel like, yeah, imagine ten different directors coming up with ten different, like, ways that of shit that could be happening behind, like, the... The or it could script. be relevant to the script. Or, or they a, could, that's yeah, a funny but thing like too. The, yeah, it's like some people are gonna try to make it like an actual like watchable movie, and other people are gonna try to make it ridiculous. It's <laughs> yeah. like damn. How about like what is that movie? Uh, Trolls. Or yeah. Like Gremlins? No, not Gremlins. I think it's a movie like Trolls. Is it like a newer cartoon movie? No, no, no. That's that's. Uh... I was thinking like like the cartoon like Trolls. Yeah, like no, there was, there was like an older one. I think it's called Trolls. But they, yeah, I think it's called Trolls 2, I think. It's like this old movie. I don't know when it came out, but it's like this weird... First of all, the whole movie, they never call them trolls. They never say the word troll in the movie. They call them goblins. The whole movie, but it's called <laughs> trolls, okay? It, this is like one of those movies that you watch like when you're drunk or whatever with your friends, and you just want to laugh at something stupid. This movie is so stupid. <laughs> if anyone is ever interested in like watching a stupid movie, they haven't seen Trolls 2, definitely watch it. Is it stupid it's like so... Napoleon Dynamite stupid? It's stupid like the effects are bad, the story doesn't make any sense, the acting's bad. And I don't actually know I don't actually know if they tried to make it bad or if it's something like The Room where it's accidentally bad. But it's, it's bad. And, and it's old. And it's, and it's funny. It's yeah, so it's, it's so ex- it's so bad that it's actually like fun to watch. It's pretty funny. Damn. Yeah. So there's a recommendation if anyone's curious about something stupid to watch. Fuck. Um. Okay. Uh. We're so at like we're hours. at two hours and fifteen minutes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, so. Um, it just. Was there anything it like, like I know like, we kind of like really went deep on like the Neuralink shit, but like yeah. was there stuff like about you that you wanted to like talk about, like any things that you felt needed to be put out into the ether? Uh, I don't know. I, I I like talking about ideas, really. Uh, we definitely hit on that. I guess like <laughs> all right, you know, since since we I do like think it's important to kind of share your story and like what you're doing Mm. um and like you know the value you're bringing to the world and being a creative you know based on where you're at right now like where are you what's your like ultimate goal maybe in the next five ten years like where where do you see yourself Mm. and like where do you want to like shift your energy towards like what's your ideal self in the next ten five ten years yeah um I guess one of my sort of medium-term goals, I would really like to find like a creative partner where we can just like be excited about making movies together. Like that's something that I really would love. Like when I see like a, a romantic partner. Uh, no, I mean like someone who is like just like another human being. Like a creative like, we're not partner. in a relationship, mm-hmm. but like yeah, like just a creative partner. Like like one of the best examples I can think of. And uh, this this idea stuck with me because I saw this like just I didn't know this was possible. But I saw um, an interview with I think it was Christopher Nolan or Hans Zimmer, one of them. They were talking about how Christopher Nolan pitched the idea. I think it was Hans Zimmer. Uh, he was talking about how Christopher Nolan pitched the idea for uh, Inception, or I think it was Inception. He they were just hanging out on the beach with their family, and they were just discussing this cool new movie idea and like let's do it it's so amazing like how like they've worked on so many films together 
but like just just like the idea that they're just like friends outside of that too mm. like they just will hang out with their families at the beach I think that's so cool yeah I would love to find somebody like that where it, one of the things that's hard about working on your own is that when you're like in a rut you have to climb out of it yourself kind of thing like if you're having a writer's block a creative block whatever there's there's no one to like kick you in the butt and like bring your spirits up or whatever like there's no one to balance you so having a creative partner in really like anything where you're being creative uh or just any kind of work it's it's like it's just nice to have another person yeah so that's something that i would really like to find are you friends with sarah uh, oh yeah 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 i mean like we we haven't really worked on anything together um i don't know if our um our maybe not styles our um like visions our visions are aligned yeah yeah so that's the other thing just because like that's gonna be hard to find just because <laughs> by the way just because is. someone is into making movies doesn't and you are too doesn't mean necessarily that you two would like vibe yeah at making like a project together or at least continuously making things together yeah. you know it's really like like a chemistry thing and like i would like like to find someone who's also interested in like philosophical ideas and wanting to portray that in film uh that's that's kind of like the thing that i'm looking for someone who's like really wants to make stuff that like makes you think like, mm-hmm. those are the kind of movies that I love. But not, like, the fake deep kind of thinking. <laughs> fake yeah. deep? That's a, yeah, like, <laughs> that's a conversation well, on its own. Well, I'm, I don't even want to get into that. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, like... <laughs> like, movies movies that really hit you. Like, I think... And I think this this way about music, and this is why I'm very critical of my music. Like, if my music doesn't make me, f- like, feel something, right. like, it's not good. Like, a profound feeling. Yeah. Like, if, if, if I listen to music and I don't feel something, and it doesn't always have to be, like, sad... Or happy, like sometimes, like I hear music and the feeling is like, whoa, that's crazy. Right, like, ooh, like that put me on edge, or like, or or like, whoa, it's really just like complicated and impressive. Like, there's this band Chom that I really like. Um, they're like a math math rock, uh, like progressive metal kind of band. And what my favorite album, probably one of my favorite albums of all time, is their album called Grow. Um, so if anyone wants to listen to that, it definitely can. It's really really ooh. good. I admit, this makes me kind of think of like Dream Theater, just like. Like the most talented oh, fucking the, uh, like yeah. drummers and and, and singers and, yeah. and they're just playing shit that like average bands could never even fathom yeah. like playing. So like that that's a feeling that's like, just like the complication of it. It's sort of like an awe feeling. You're just like holy shit. It's like whoa. Like it's not like it doesn't make me cry or right. something like that. But it's like it's not and it's not even shit that you would like listen to like if you're like trying to like get amped up for like a party or something. Yeah. Or you're just listening to it for the sake of like, holy shit, this is a thing. Yeah, but so like if 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 I like if I make music, it it has to convey some feeling, and like the same way with movies, like I wouldn't want to make a movie that's just entertainment. Like it's got it's got to be there to convey an important idea or a story. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I like that. And I just would have to find need... someone who's aligned with that. It may, it does make sense that like you started off with philosophy then, because it like kind of put you into that direction. Now like at least you have like uh, a vision for your creations now, and then you're using your um, skills in music and screenplay as like tools to portray yeah. that idea. Totally, that, that's really how I see it. Uh, I also look at little tangent, but like visual art, I I've always been into 
abstract art. Uh, I, I don't I don't know why. Like I just I like there are some paintings that are like de- like depictions of life or like real life things that I'm like whoa that's like it's really nice to look at or it's like or the, or there's like a powerful story in it. Um, mm-hmm. But for some reason, abstract art like the I've always been really like infatuated with just like. I mean, the, the abstraction of like something like what's beautiful like if you can just take shapes and mm. like put them into a configuration like shapes and colors and put them into a configuration that's like really satisfying like where does that come from that's so interesting to me fractals yeah i mean like th- well think think oh, god things no but no but like that's true like, <laughs> like thing things like fractals that are uh like a, like a lot of a lot of great abstract artists. No, really, like there's something to that. There's a lot of great abstract artists that when you analyze their art, or you look at them in like mathematical frameworks. Like mm-hmm. they follow certain ratios, and it's not clear that that's intentional. It's just like that's what they felt was satisfying. But when and you why? look at it, like mm-hmm. yeah, but it's like why is it like why is the golden ratio satisfying, or like why is like the rule of thirds satisfying? Um, I think it's a survival thing in nature. Yeah, like again, everything goes back to biology. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but I, I'm so interested in that idea that I mm. like good abstract art. I really love because it's like you're participating in this. I really like the participation in abstract art. Like you're looking at it, and it's like you have to dig for like. Mm. Well, and every single person that sees that piece of art has a different interpretation of like what it's supposed to mean. Mm. Yeah. Even though it's like, I love that about abstract art. Or even normal art. People like go to a, a gallery show or whatever, and they're trying to s- sit there and act like they're this like wise being. <laughs> and they're like, oh, you know, I really see that. Like, mm. I've I've made a piece of art where someone starts telling me like, yeah, I really see this and this energy coming out of this and this and this. I'm like, yep, none of that had anything to do with <laughs> me making this. So like, yeah. you're telling me that that's what it is, but it's like that had none of that has anything to do with this. Yeah, but like. Because it's abstract, it kind of leaves itself, lends itself to just like leading it up to whatever the fuck people want it yeah. to mean. You get fake deep. Well, yeah, yeah people are getting get fake, fake deep fake about deep. your art when it's like, nah, this is literally I just like splattered shit on a piece of like <laughs> wood, and that's all I like. That's that was my whole like influence. Yeah, I just wanted to make fucking randomness and see what you thought. What's, what's <laughs> interesting is like a lot of artists. Like even abstract artists uh, like uh, Marth, Mark Rothko, uh, which is someone that I sort of discovered recently, actually, that I really liked. Uh, he he would his his paintings or his the paintings he's known for are like these really large canvases of like sort of like muted but like block color things. So like you'll have like a gray background and it'll have like like a like a burgundy kind of like square on it that's like sort of like almost cloud like and its edges are like really undefined. Um, and then there's like maybe a blue one or something above and like a white line in the middle, something like that. Um, but he would like, they're just like colors and sort of like shapes, but he would, he would say that his intention was like to, like he, he said something like if people were to look at his art, like in like the full way or whatever, like they would often cry at the, the beauty of them. And I thought it was so interesting, like how it's just like, like <laughs> like rectangles and color and like someone's gonna cry at it like I mean I'm sure people have 
Um, but in a sense, movies are like that. All it is is shapes on a moving screen. <laughs> Damn. Right, but, but, but what makes it what makes it so so like moving that it makes you cry? Yeah, like like what about it? It's it's like the story in it is something that you relate to and it brings out that emotion. Like, but what I if you don't know the story? Like how would it of make you cry unless you knew like the full story of a painting you made? Yeah, like abstract like that. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> you would. The only way that someone would cry or something like that is if they they have you to, you have to attribute meaning to it. Right. Like, if there's you no have context, to actively participate then in it. Like if it's, it's like, just like they're just objects. Like, but you can apply a story to it that makes you cry or makes you feel very emotional about it. It's like a Rorschach. Mm. Do you know what that is? Yeah. It's like this black ink splatters on on the white canvas, and mm. people just like attribute meaning, and it like somehow heals PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> or like makes yeah. you feel some type of way <laughs> sometimes I just think about like the shit that like y- humans like put their attention on I'm just like what the fuck like <laughs> you're literally looking at just like nonsense on a white piece of paper and like that shit's making you feel a certain way you're yeah. not even indifferent to it's, it you're just like it's ah I have to attribute some type of meaning to this and blah. why do we always have to like search for meaning and everything yeah. why can't it just be it's human nature. Yeah, it really is human nature. Like, it's something that we've evolved to do. Like, we have to have, like, things have to have meaning for us. But not even, like, things. Like, everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like, like a residue from, uh, uh, I, mean, I mean, before we were humans, likely. Like, just pattern, like, recognizing patterns and things. Yeah. Like, everything that has a pattern is meaningful. Like, and, or maybe the other way around. Like, everything that is... Everything it's, that's meaningful has a pattern. It's it's probably like both, but yeah. <laughs> um, the the point is though that like we like we attribute meaning to things because it or, or we 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 try to put things into patterns because it makes our world much neater. Like it's more predictable. So like saying oh this has a meaning so it falls into this pattern it makes us feel secure in knowing that that thing happened for a reason and. We understand why it happens, so therefore, understanding of the world is hmm. is good. Interesting. Like if if you if something happens and you're like, I don't know why that happened. Like, is there a meaning to that? I don't know. You're basically admitting like my my model of the world is not sufficient enough because I don't understand what is happening. So in order to maintain our idea of our sufficiency of our model of the world, we'll just like attribute meaning to it and be like, oh, it's meaningful in this way. Yay, my world model's perfect. <laughs> like, but it might not even be true. You can just trick yourself. Yeah. You can just trick yourself into believing that things have meaning that don't. Uh, See, like, I've... So this is, like, one thing, like, recently, I've tried to, like... Because I feel like when you're being judgmental of something, you're trying to understand... You're, like, always asking, like, why is this person the way they are? And, like, why are they not like we are? And you're trying to find that meaning. When you're being judgmental? Yeah. Because you're judging them for being different, and so you're trying to attribute the meaning behind why they're being that way and why they can't be like you. So it's not why in, like, an understanding kind of way. It's like... Because you can say why and, like, because you're trying to understand someone. That's not judgmental. So what kind of why are you saying? Like, not you're not trying to understand uh, why they're acting a certain way, like, fundamentally. You're just like, I don't know. It's like a... It... Displacing judgment. 
Yeah, like when you when you judge someone, you're still asking why is this person this way, but you're not actually willing to like understand. Oh. But you just want to place meaning on it because it's like an innate feeling to need to place meaning on why is this person, and you're never gonna actually go out of your way to ask them or like learn. You're just gonna always wonder why the fuck are they this way? Yeah. And I've learned to just stop asking why and just accepting that they are, Mm -hmm. because. No matter what, if I do find out why, it's not going to change the fact that they're fucking doing yeah. that, whatever that is. But you see why it's useful. Like, if you if you understood why they were like that, it would give you some insight into... It would give you some ease to, like, understand why. Well, well and, and the reason that... No, why. And the reason it's useful, though, is because it allows you to predict their future behavior. Like, if you understand the mechanics yeah. of... It's it's just like, if you understand the mechanics of a physical system, like like a pendulum... Like what are those like little knocker like the little balls that like are on like rich people's tables or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like understanding the mechanics of why it's like you can predict that when the one ball hits this, the other one's gonna go, like yeah. because you understand the mechanics of it. So it makes you comfortable. Same, it's the same way with behavior. Yeah. Like it just a, a lot of a lot of us attributing meaning to things is us just trying to keep our. Um, a feeling of security in our world model. Right, because it gives you a sense of certainty yeah. and, un- and understanding. Which is why, like, really eccentric people that are out there, uh, it makes us feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Because we can't we're... find security in them because they're just, like, you you lack the understanding to per- have the perception to understand their perspective. You can't predict them. Yeah. 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 In they're simple just... terms. <laughs> and I feel like... Depending on the depending on the scenario of that person being in your life, at least in my in my like life, like what I'm choosing is if that person is not directly impacting my life and they're not like in my environment, I don't actually care what the meaning is behind why they are the way they are. Mm-hmm. But if they are directly involved in my in mm-hmm. my environment and yeah. they could do something unpredictable, I want to like get to the bottom of like why they are, so I can yeah. like understand it and hopefully make sure that whatever their behavior is it doesn't directly affect me in a negative way right Um, like keep your friends close keep your enemies closer but only if the quote enemy is like in my direct environment because if they're not like that's there's just too much information to be like trying to figure out the meaning of why everyone is the way they are (laughs) you know i'd be like i would lose my i would forget why i am the way i am at some point (laughs) because i'm so like invested in everyone else's like meaning to um, add a different idea to the same kind of concept, <clears throat> they were saying that uh, fractals is actually like a manifestation of consciousness itself. So maybe consciousness is like that ability to question and like the maybe consciousness is spirituality. Like the, just being able to have the ability to question and try to find meaning is consciousness itself. And then like fractals is like. Uh, representation of consciousness because it's like it that's the thing that creates security with the geometry and I just want to like throw a side idea I also wanted to say (laughs) that the reason I laughed about fractals is because we live with some eccentric people at the gear factory which if if you uh, continue to listen to this podcast as we move through the gear factory you'll learn um but fractals is one of the words that is said every day that I can't get away from. Yeah. Because they're everywhere. Well, it's just that I've never heard True. people talk about. But you've got to talk terms. about it so much, dude. Like, 
We know. But it's like, yeah, like, like we. Uh, I'll, I'll run through the terms because you'll probably hear them along this podcast. Yeah. But it's like fractals, sacred geometry, mm-hmm. kundalini energy, yeah. um, chakras. Chakras, yes. Uh, the like, buzzwords. Yeah, like all these like buzzwords that some people actually have a deep understanding of and can talk about it, and others are fake deep about. Yeah. That's all I had to say about it. (laughs) We're calling you out. (laughs) We'll get to the bottom of this. If you're going to use those terms, you better fucking know what they mean. (laughs) Yeah. Because I don't, and that's why I don't use them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that, so I I think those are are some things that, like, I mean, the, not like fractal, I think like fractals, fractals. (laughs) Fractals. Testicles? Fractals. uh, I mean, fractals are like a mathematical thing that, like, exists in math. But I think, like, like kundalini and, like, chakra stuff, I think that's just another example of, like, us trying to apply meaning to things or, like, create a model of, of I mean... Euphoria. In, well, in, in, in the example of, like, chakras and um, kundalini energy, which I, I don't exactly know what it is. It's but, like the serpentine energy in your... Uh, it's like okay, a female, well, female super, serpentine energy coming through the spine of all human beings. Right. That's fantastic. And once I got that far, I was like, I honestly don't give a fuck what that shit is. So, <laughs> basically, it's just like, it's another thing where it's like, we don't, like, it, those kind of things develop when we don't understand our, like, our biology or, like, our psychology, whatever, f- physiology, and we want to understand it, so we just, like, say it's this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, oh, that makes sense. It's like, yeah, because you crafted it to make sense. <laughs> like, it's true. like, uh, uh, astrology. Yeah. Um, what is that? Pseudoscience. Yeah. Yeah. We crafted it to mean something. And, and, and yeah. we can't disprove it either. That's the thing that's yeah. annoying. Well, yeah, I mean, like, just... Because it, it could be right. Yeah, I mean, just, like, as a, uh, um, like, as, as a, like, fixture, I guess, in, like, epistemology, like, you can't really disprove anything, technically. Mm. Like, there's this thought experiment of, like, Russell's teapot. Have you heard of this? So it's this thought experiment that... It's uh, it's to point out that like you can't disprove something really, like, so this this idea this thought experiment was put forth that someone would argue um, that there's a teapot that's orbiting somewhere between like the orbit of Earth and Mars, right? And someone's like, oh, no, there's not. That doesn't make any sense. Like, there is. It's like, no, there's not. It's like, yeah, there is. Disprove it. Mm-hmm. And like, <clears throat> like well, so, so they're oh, like, uh, okay. So let's say this person's very ambitious. They go and they get telescope they they well they they get they get a bunch of people to go up in spaceships and like like to be in to to, to go scope every area out. it's like oh well well maybe you missed it it's like okay well we'll get everyone there at the same time at every place okay and we'll see if it's there and they all go there and they're there at the same time at every place and they're like yeah it's not here they're like it's like oh well it moved. it's it's it, you haven't looked hard enough or, or like oh it's not there now it's in a different place or you could say like oh and it's a, it's in a different dimension where you can't see it or something like mm-hmm. that like it's you can always move the goalpost basically so like you can never really disprove anything like because I can just keep saying impossible things like oh it's in a different dimension where you can't see it it's like okay we can go to that dimension then they go to the dimension it's like oh yeah well you also have to meet you also also have to meet this qualification that that you're not currently meeting. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't really disprove anything technically. Yeah. And then there's <laughs> other things where it's, like, uh, confirmation bias, where, like, people say a belief that's really, like, witchy-washy, and then it might happen, like, once every 
ten times, mm-hmm. and then like, oh, that happened. But they're looking for law of attraction. Yeah. And that could be real because it's happened one out of ten times. Yeah. So that's like the opposite <laughs> side of that spectrum. It's, like, it's like it never happens. They believe in the and anomaly. It could be, or it happens once and it could be. <laughs> they believe in the anomaly of of like the end results of things and not like in the rest of it. They're like, oh, well, the rest of it's like. It's a selection bias. Yeah. They don't believe in the stereotype of the idea. They only believe in the anomalies of it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So like, like. Um, People are more likely to remember like a novel experience, or something that's you know, like paranormal would fall into this. Like, you're more likely to remember the thing that you can't explain, which makes sense because obviously you should be thinking about things that <laughs> your model of the world doesn't understand. Yeah. Um, so like those things will just stick in your brain more, and so of course you're gonna remember those, and you're probably gonna try to apply some sort of meaning to it. So you'll just say, oh, it was ghosts or something. The spooky thing that happened was ghosts, but like you don't remember all the times that you heard a weird noise and it turned out to be your dad walking in from work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you you do remember the times when you heard a spooky noise and you don't know what it is. But, like, every time that you heard a spooky noise and it was just your cat, you're like, oh, I forgot about mm-hmm. it already. Because it's, it so gives us... a selection a, bias. It gives us security, like we were talking about before. We need to always place meaning onto things. Yeah. And when you can't, it's like, whoa. Like, I don't ghost. Know. It's like, it must be a ghost. Okay, now it is meeting. Okay, we're good. <laughs> like, mm. Even if it's scary, it's like, oh, well, well, we understand what it is now. We understand it's just ghosts. <laughs> I feel better knowing yeah. that. But those are the things that, like, help us form hypotheses to actually go and test. And then that becomes science. Yeah. No, th- that, that, that is a good insight. That we, we will sort of flail around in applying meaning to things. And some of them will be... Did it stop? Yeah, probably because we hit, like, a max. Oh. <laughs> Fucking shit. Let me just see where it ended at. Uh, I was going to say, I, I don't know how you guys are feeling about the episode, but, like, I would totally be down for, like, to do another one. But Word. I don't know if, like, if this will, like, work out. It was, like, a lot of, like, I don't know if it really went where you were expecting or something. No, oh, this no. is perfect. I mean, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, we we usually delve off into just random ideas. Gotcha. That's uh, those conversations tend to be better. Okay. Than yeah, just like I, I talking about you directly. Yeah, I didn't know if I like took it in a direction or like it went in a direction that we didn't want, like for the podcast. I don't know what your structure is. So. It's it's free form. What I'm like identifying with this podcast is we're like getting into a like a think tank or like creating. A, it's like an idea lab mm. when we have these sit down podcasts. Yeah. It's like it's just a constant flux of ideas and. It's open to interpretation. I don't know. It's cool. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, we still talk about like what you do and everything, and then it finds a way to like go off into the ether as something. Yeah, crazy. I, I, I tend to, I tend to steer things in that direction. Anyway, I don't know if I really like talking about myself that much. Like, I mean, that's fine. I, I shouldn't say I don't like it. Uh, I, because I don't think that's true. I just think like there's a lot of things that are more interesting to me than like. Uh, I don't know things like my. I guess it depends on how like if 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 I went if I went like deep with things. It, I guess it's like my issue with small talk is like, who are you? Where are you from? Like, what's the weather like? Like that kind of stuff is like not interesting. So well, I think I just tend to go like deep with things. The way I mm-hmm. think about it is like some people come on the show and they really want to talk about like their their craft or whatever so like if they're like running a business they want to get really in about business stuff and 
even then, even if it's still predominantly about business, it still finds a way to like caveat into like deeper meanings about human. And I think that's, I was thinking about it while we've been talking. It's like, should, should you're cut by the way. Oh, should, should, should we be talking about, should this podcast be called Bindalism, a philosophy to a self-sufficient lifestyle, or should it be Bindalism, a philosophy on something else? Cause like, I feel like every episode I've listened to, I don't actually understand how to live a self-sufficient lifestyle, but I do well, I understand that, but I like talking, but about I that. do understand For more sure. about like what it might mean, like what humanity might mean and like the where like life is going mm-hmm. like i get more mm-hmm. out of that than i get out of like how am i gonna tangibly like live a self-sufficient lifestyle well, I, for... I think it's an important thing to talk about mm-hmm. though like i think like talking about like things like like stoicism or like ex- just existentialism whatever like i think those things that pertain to how to be i think are super important conversations to have if that's stuff you're interested in like uh i think like there's definitely a demand for it like for people to be talking about it and i love to talk about that kind of stuff self-sufficient to me is more just about authenticity yeah so like what makes you you and what makes you keep wanting to live (laughs) yeah your life yeah i think that stuff falls into stuff like existentialism and uh, stoicism uh so do you think that if that's the case that talking about Neuralink and things like that is really like in line with what that's saying I think some some part of the conversation is like I think it because it talks about things like, um, like, um, like morality and value. Like I think those things are really important to explore. Like if you want to know how to live a good life, you have to know what you value. Like because otherwise, what's a good life? Right. Like it's important to have those conversations about what's valuable, um, and morality is like like you know falls into a similar bucket. Um, so yeah, I think like things like Neuralink or like those weird sort of fringe cases are often good sort of like sandboxes to play with those ideas in and like poke and prod at them from different angles. I think that's like, that's one of the, th- probably one of the reasons I like talking about those kind of things. Cause it's just like another angle to poke at <clears throat> more fundamental issues at. And it like, if just for my definition, authenticity, uh, is that meaning authenticity, it's like you authentically enjoy talking about that. So we're kind of just sh- showcasing you as an authentic human being. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's delve into those areas that w- well, want to well, be talked about. In that about. case, True. then I guess it does align. Everyone's, <laughs> everyone's authentic. Well, hopefully. Um, Easier said than done. You know, given, given everything we've talked about, Right. We'll bring it back to you because this, this podcast was supposed to be about uh, you. Yes, it's about me. We it's have made me. it about you. <laughs> it just caveated into other things yeah, too, yeah. which is fine. Um, you know, we did hit on, you know, what you want to do in the future. Mm. But um, was that like the end goal? That the, the end goal was just oh. to have the partner and. Oh, like, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess in a broader sense, I I hope that I can just bring a lot of value to the world. I, I hope that I can I hope that I can approach my uh, my potential. Like I hope that I can get really close to achieving like my full potential in like like adding value to the world. Like I feel like that's kind of everyone's duty, um, just as a person and. I try to take that as seriously as I can. Of course, I'm like not perfect. <laughs> like I miss the mark a lot. Okay. <laughs> um, but that's kind of my goal is just like to 
try to realize as much of my potential as I possibly can, like in adding value to the world. Since uh, we talked a lot about human values in this podcast, I'm curious to know what your most ideal value is as a human. Uh, like what I think is most important as a, like a virtue or value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think probably integrity is. I I often say that's like the highest value. Um, I think it's super important. It, it's it's like a necessity emerging out of living living in a uh, like a dynamic system of like individuals where we all have to sort of work together. Um, without integrity, everything really just falls apart. Like it's I, I see that as like that probably integrity and like responsibility or duty. Um, I think those are like the highest. <coughs> Probably the highest values, Inte- that I would say. Just because integrity is kind of a complex word, mm-hmm. uh, can you just define what that means? So, like, if... I, I, yeah, so I'll say what, why I think it's important, and I think that'll probably illustrate it. Um, if... If we're all, like, being deceptive and lying to each other, you can't... We, we have no way to cooperate anymore. Um, so, for instance, like... Um, so it's like trust and truth? Yeah. Like, I, I was thinking of, like, something like COVID-19 right now. If Dr. Fauci was just on TV just spewing absolute lies and we were all just following that, like, there's no integrity in it. And, like, because of the lies and deception, like, a bunch of people would die. Mm-hmm. Because, like, COVID. <laughs> yeah. So, so I guess, like, I think, like, the definition of integrity is something like it's about doing the right thing when nobody's looking. Um, I think that's, obviously, it ties into, like, being truthful and stuff like that. But I think also, even if you, the, the problem with not having integrity, you do something wrong when nobody's looking. And it, it takes away from your own conviction in like what you say and do it takes away from your um your confidence in yourself and like your your view of yourself like if you if you even just like from the standpoint of like when you're speaking right if you're a person who lies all the time like it's hard to come across as confident unless you're like a pathological liar like sociopath or something um because you know deep down somewhere that like sometimes you lie and like it subconsciously takes away from your conviction in what you say um, and also if you consider that everyone is doing that, it's really hard to rely on people. And like, like, like your world model is never, is never accurate. You like, you just can't trust people. So I think it, like, that's a good point. Integrity is, is really one of the, is, might be the main thing that holds us together, uh, like as a tribe or as a collective sort of unit as humanity. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. That's pretty cool. And then the final the final question we ask everyone on this uh, podcast is I like these. Uh, what does it mean to be human? Oh. What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be human? Um I think that's gonna be important to Define because it's like like all the stuff that we talked about with Neuralink and yeah advancement of civilization. Mm-hmm. What makes us unique, really? What makes us unique? 
or human. What or, does it yeah. mean to be human? I think that's more of a yeah. What does it mean to be human? Uh, like I, I think that like there are certain distinctions we can make between us and other things, like our uh, ability to reason and to understand concepts makes us human, in com- like in, in comparison to other things. Um, I think our, our rationality makes us human. Um, Emotions. Yeah, I, I think I think that probably exists in other things, but like to a lesser degree. Um, I don't know if this makes us human, but I think it's one of the responsibilities we have as humans, like, is to, um, I guess sort of just tie into it. Like, I, I think we, we have, a, like, a, or like, a responsibility as humans to, like, do right by like the whole like the global like the universe or like the the world whatever it is however far out you want to go um and that responsibility like that nothing else has i think that's one of the things that makes us human just having that really heightened responsibility and like moral imperative to do the right thing i think that's one of the things that um makes us special as humans too oh yeah well um this has been dope yeah, um, for sure. If you want, plug your like socials. If you want people to follow you on like your journey oh. to like making <laughs> dope movie scores and shit. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then if you have like any last words you want to just like say to the people, now's, yeah. now's your like time. Yeah. Um, I guess if you want to follow me on Instagram, uh, my Instagram is camclark16. Um, that's mainly what I'm on social media wise. Um, if I could say anything to the people. Um, one of my favorite uh, like rules to live by, um, uh, this, uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson is he's a professor. Uh, he was a professor at, hell yeah, we got some fans. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> um, he, he was a professor at the University of Toronto and he's been like a sort of emerging philosophical figure in the, in the past couple of years. And uh, I really like the idea of... Um, one of his books is called 12 Rules for Life, and one of the rules is to pursue what's meaningful, not what's expedient. And I think just, like, really to think about that and try to live that way is, like, a really, really powerful concept. So that's that's, oh, what, yeah. I, that's what I leave it with, I guess. Word. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Three, awesome. two, one. So there you have it. Thanks again for tuning in to Bindalism, a philosophy to self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to explore other episodes of Bindalism on our Spotify and Apple podcast. You can find more Boho Hobo stuff on Instagram and Twitter at Boho underscore Hobo underscore, as well as on our Facebook page at Boho Hobo Lifestyle. It'd also be dope if you could subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Our YouTube channel has more episodes from Bindalism in video form, along with other random shenanigans that we're up to. We're constantly filming new experiences, so it's one way you guys can stay up to date with us in our journey. So yeah, I guess that's it for now. Until next time, peace.